Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the B-Side Podcast for the Film Stage. I am Dan Mecca, alongside Connor O'Donnell. As always, here, as you know, we talk about movie stars, not the movies that made them famous or kept them famous, but the ones that they made in between. And here today, we're going to talk about, ah, you know, a pound for pound, the best living actor. I mean, we'll talk about it. I mean, I, 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 I always default to Al Pacino, but... When you rewatch Gene Hackman's movies, our subject today, it's kind of hard to think that there's a better person at the craft of acting uh, than Gene Hackman. We are joined by uh, the senior editor at Letterboxd and co-host of their weekend watch list podcast, Mitchell Beaupre. Mitchell, well, how you doing? I'm good. I'm I'm very stoked to be here. I think that we're old podcast buds. So yeah, I mean we're we've been doing the podcast thing for a while. We know how it goes. We were on the Incinerator, Billy Ray Bruton's new podcast together. Connor wasn't there. We we were talking <laughs> shit about Connor. We were just like, Connor sucks. Why? W- w- what does Connor even do except for edit the <laughs> for podcast three hours on that episode? The time. You did that for three Billy hours. Ray, Billy Ray asked us if we he could bring Connor on, but we were like, no, that's not. <laughs> <ever."> <laughs> Fuck no. And Connor was like, that's fine. You guys have um, your own separate <laughs> chat. You know, it was like, it's brutal. Um. So yeah, Mitchell, Gene Hackman. What was your first Gene? What What, what do you think your first Gene was? Yeah, you, you, pick, you picked Gene Hackman, just to be clear. Like, so that we're covering Gene because we asked you, Mitchell, we wanted you on. And you well, brought, if we're you being accurate, I think we gave Dan, you some options. Yeah, Dan messaged options. me and said, "Do you want to do Gene Hackman?" And I said, "Yeah, I'll do whatever you want." Oh, okay. So, well, all right. Well, <laughs> well so we forced I, you I into it. You, did I not give you a li- Did I give you like a list? Or did I not? no? We may have no, picked no, it. You be- said you said Gene. We may have oh. picked it. I think now that I'm remembering, I think we picked it because. You wrote that excellent piece last That's year. That's on, what the pitch was. Gene, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gene Hackman's impeccable 2001, basically. Correct. That, yeah. Yeah, That's yeah. where that all starts. We'll, we'll link, link. Yeah, we'll link to that. It's yeah, great. so we'll link to it in in the show notes in the article, and I'll I'll tweet out as I've been doing. I'll tweet out yeah. uh, your article, obviously, because it's great. And yeah, as Connor said, it's kind of about his 2001, which really kind of is was. His last gasp, save one sure. movie, which yeah, we'll get yeah, to. Yeah. But, two, but anyway, two movies, two technically, yeah, because yeah. Runaway Jury, oh, Runaway yeah. Jury, oh, three. Oh, three three jury. Well, yeah. How far to get? <laughs> How could I forget the jury? So Mitchell, what do you think? So first, first Hackman, favorite Hackman. What do you think? Yeah, so I I was trying to think of what kind of my introduction was because he is one of those actors who I feel like at a certain point you just kind of feel like you always knew and it's yeah. always been there. And I was trying to think of what my first one would have been. And just chronologically, Ants. I'm assuming that it was The Replacements. Yeah. Because okay. I, I know that I saw that in theaters. Sure. And that was like a big movie with my family. We all love The Replacements. We all saw it in theaters, had a good time. It introduced me to um the song I Will Survive, which I remember just like singing while playing <laughs> on a Walkman while I was walking around my neighborhood when I was iconic like 11 scene, years old. Iconic scene. <laughs> iconic scene. I mean, honestly... That's when we were talking about the movies that we were going to cover 
um, for this. I did suggest possibly The Replacements as being one because that movie rules. But maybe not. I don't know if that's technically a B-side. It's kind of gotten like a little well, bit of a follow. It's, one of, the first, it's we, one of the first B-sides we ever covered because we did it for on, on our Keanu Did Reeves you do episode? Replacements yeah. on Keanu? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, that was back. That was early days. So we the episodes were shorter and a little bit more general. Yeah. So, so the Keanu episode, which is really the... I remember you did like the Watcher and a Walk well, in the yeah, Clouds. The, the, I think on Keanu. The, well, or the Keanu the episode, the yeah, the Keanu episode is like the inspiration of the whole show, right? Because sure. Keanu's between the Matrix and the Matrix Reloaded, those five movies, we right, we, me right, and Connor right, yeah. were like, oh, they're all like B sides, right? Because he made like the Gift, the Watcher, uh, Hardball, the yeah. Sweet November, and Sweet November, Sweet November, yeah, yeah, I which are all placements B-sides. in there. Yeah. yeah, the replacements. To your point, though, is the least B sidey. Of yeah. those five, because it, it has had a bit of a life I think, after. I think anyone mm. in our age group has a similar relationship yeah. to that movie. Yeah, I, it was I like on venture. TBS You're talking about all spiders the time. On the field, coach? You're talking about spiders <laughs> I, and just while we're talking, yeah, while we're talking about the replacement, the replacements contains like four or five lines that Dan and I will throw out <laughs> casually. Yeah. On just even if even if oh, we're yeah. just saying like hi to each other on Slack or something. <laughs> <laughs> It'll, we'll just be, we'll just be like sup Shane like you know it's just, it's stuff like that that you know you can't yeah but bone cake um, <laughs> they're Orlando all Jones. Orlando Jones lines oh, by the way mostly <laughs> Orlando Jones they're I'll, mostly I'll Orlando say Jones. too on the replacement so I as far as like comfort movies go when I got my booster shot for covid i like every time i've gotten a shot for covid vaccines i've gotten like really sick for like a day or two after okay and yeah. so when i was getting a booster shot like the, the third one or whatever i was like i know that i'm gonna get really sick right so knew, let me yeah. just plan out like some movies to watch like take off a couple of days of work or whatever and the first one that i watched was the replacements because i in my head i was like i need something that's just gonna feel yeah. fucking good you know and, yeah, i mean, I mean it that's, is. It's, it's good uh, that movie it's a good movie that movie yeah. also has i mean we'll just to keep it on theme hackman is great in the movie he's like fantastic yeah he, i mean he's just doing yeah he's in you the, know yeah he's in he's doing hoosiers right you know right. Yeah, yeah, but he's in it works he's, he's in the, the yeah he's in the he's got his uh his ted landry is uh, it? tom landry tom landry thank you he's got his, <laughs> he's got his tom landry hat yeah, it's, it's like it's not quite a Tom Landry hat, but it's like in the ballpark of Landry. Yeah, and yeah. for those you know, Landry was the I, kind of the legendary coach of the Dallas Cowboys for many years, way back when, and he always wore like a kind of a of a, a fedora of sorts that was his iconic thing that he wore. It's almost more like a Lombardi hat, is what sure. uh, is what McGinty has actually. But but yeah, it's, it, anyway. I would even argue Hackman's kind of phoning it in in the replacements, but it's still great, and that's he, kind of a thing with. He's Hackman. still he able to of... like sell the funny bits, though. You know, like yeah, he, it's. He, I guess, and this is to your point, Dan, about him being one of our finest actors, is that like yeah. even even him phoning it in is better than most people trying really hard like oh my god you know like yeah. uh so for whatever that's worth um <laughs> but uh replacements also has one of my favorite music cues i always thought that the music cue in the bar when they're about to kiss and uh oh yeah and mm -hmm. the police starts playing i just always well, yeah, and John you, and yeah, you've got they're like, yeah they're like commentating it's so it's cute. Yeah. i was it's like cute. oh this is sweet um anyway 
Um, but so real quick, before we get too far into the episode, let's just say we'll probably hit a lot of things, but our four official B-sides today are All Night Long from 1981, The Package from 1989, Heartbreakers from 2001, and his final feature film, Welcome to Mooseport from 2004. Hell Yeah. Co-starring Ray, <laughs> everybody loves Raymond. Romano. I think Mitchell. That's that's the only time any human has ever been like hell yeah to welcome to Mooseport. Mooseport strong. Fuck yeah, Mooseport. I'm just gonna. We'll get into it all, but I'm gonna say right now, I liked all four of these movies, and I don't know what that says about me. But oh my god, I, the first I one, no way. I put I my it. three my three out of five star review of Welcome to Moose Part on Letterboxd, and I literally got comments that were like, hey, I don't know why you feel this way, but I respect you for putting it out there. <laughs> yeah, letting the world know. So so brave. <laughs> um, but so my so I so Gene for me, we can kind of push through our first, but yeah, my first Gene, it's it. I couldn't immediately tell you. I know that I love the quick and the dead. Mm-hmm. Um at a young age and obviously he's the villain in the quick and the dead um funny enough this day literally this day we're recording blank check put out their quick and the dead episode which was funny because they they do spend a lot of time talking about hackman and kind of how great he is and and all that which is I, i i obviously appreciate it but quick and the dead would be early for me and probably as good of a guess as anything um and then yeah, like stuff like No Way Out I saw later. Obviously, that's a more of an adult kind of a movie. I mean, Unforgiven, of course, I saw a bit later. Um, so, you know what? It also, you know, also, ob- this is the most obvious answer. It came really early. Enemy of the State. You know, because yeah, yeah, that's, right. that's 98. He He's Brill in that movie. He's basically, that movie's kind of a... A blockbuster homage pseudo sequel to the conversation starring yeah. Will Smith, which is kind yeah. of interesting. And he's basically kind of a little bit playing like an even more paranoid version of his character from the conversation. Yeah, it's like um, if his character from the conversation just got older. Like it's literally yeah. just and like changed his well, name. And, you know, like <laughs> but and like stayed in the game yeah. too, though. Which yeah, yeah, yeah. At, at the end of the conversation, I think you stop playing that get, sax you, for a little while. Yeah, yeah. You, get, you get the implication my man's not uh he's not <laughs> surveilling anymore after that. Um Connor, what about you? I now that you say I was gonna say uh I was gonna say Superman. Sure. Oh, yeah. Of yeah, course. Yeah, of right? course but yeah. I think. And then when Mitchell, I mentioned, forgot about Superman. When Mitchell mentioned the replacements, I was like, "Oh, maybe I actually saw that before." No, I... but you must have watched Superman when you were like. Five. No, no, no. And but it's it was it's the kind of thing where like I think he's great. Superman. Both it's so it's probably Fantastic. Superman. It might be it might be Enemy of the State, but Superman was one of those ones where like. I watched it as a kid and then it wasn't until years later that I like rewatch it. I'm like, Oh fuck, that was Gene Hackman. You know what I mean? Like right. I, didn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know who Gene Hackman was. Right. Like I didn't register. But you're still getting a, you're still getting a love and spoonful of Gene. Yeah. I mean, whether Whereas, you knew it. I think the difference is like when I watched the replacements, I was aware of Hoosiers. Right. So like I was aware of like, right. Hoosiers would also yeah. be an early one for me. Cause mm-hmm. they just show you that in school. Right. They're right. Like, sure. Yeah. You know, one that's like right. a, in math class. Right. Yeah. <laughs> one exclusively. Weird, one weird early one for me that I think I don't I might have even seen her before the replacements was the firm because sure. my oh, mom yeah, had the firm, 
My sure. mom had like a huge crush on Tom Cruise and probably still does. So like, did my sure. mom, yeah. Tom Cruise movies were just like on rotation in my house. I remember, like I weirdly remember this the other day that we had, I vividly remember having three VHS tapes when I was a kid in my house and they were Top Gun, Jerry Maguire, and because my mom's <laughs> British, we just had the full Monty as well when oh, i was like a kid and i just didn't understand measure. what that movie was <laughs> and then i, I finally best, watched best the full picture Monty. nominee best the picture Monty. nominee the full monty which i finally watched like 10 years ago and was like that movie was just in my living room as a kid for you know when i was like six <laughs> okay <laughs> um so yeah i mean gene hackman uh still with us born in 1930 um so as as we as we as we sit here now talking, he is ninety two, I believe. Yeah, ninety two, yeah. ju- just a few uh, months ago. Kind of became famous late. Um, he was in the Marines for a few years. He came out. He got married. He did a bunch of other things and kind of got into theater and whatnot in his 30s, and then kind of as is pretty well documented, his first credited film role is in Lilith, uh, which stars Warren Beatty and Gene Seberg, a movie that I actually got to talk about with the Mixed Reviews guys only a few weeks ago because we talked about Warren Beatty. So that's his first role. He plays kind of... um, he plays the new, the husband of Jessica Walter, who used to go with Warren Beatty in that movie, mm. and he's not very nice, right? So he's got like two scenes. But Gene not Hackman's like, not very. You don't say. Yeah. You play someone who's not very Wait, stop nice. The podcast. What do you say? <laughs> but you know, look, yeah, he's like thirty-four. He's acting with Beatty. Obviously, that's an important moment because of what happens three years later. But they share a good, intense scene together, and it's like his first film role, and even. You know, obviously, Beatty saw something. It's a very good scene. He's very good in the movie. And three years later, obviously, he plays uh, Clyde Barrow's brother, Buck, in the film Bonnie and Clyde, which is produced and starring Warren Beatty. And it earns Hackman a supporting Oscar nomination, right? So it's kind of like from there, the sky's really the limit at the exact right time in Hollywood for a guy like Gene Hackman. And then literally three years later, he's in I Never Sang for My Father. He earns another supporting actor nomination. And then the next year, he's in a movie called The French Connection, in which he wins his first uh, Oscar for Best Actor. It's an absolute monster hit. Wins Best Picture, The French Connection does. And he becomes a bona fide movie star. And And he gets a chicken joint named after him for it. So (laughs) there you go. Popeyes. Yeah. Are you still eating Popeyes? No, yeah, you're eating Popeyes on the I'm completing the bit uh, for anybody who follows me on it's Twitter. An, it's, an, it's, an, uh, it's, an, it's an audio medium, but let, let us you all can, say that he's... You can yeah, hear this. Okay. Uh, hear this. <laughs> let, that be the, let that be the only time. Um, and so that's kind of the brief beginning of Hackman, right? Obviously, our first B-side isn't until 81, so there's so many movies that happen in between, right? So you have like... You know, the year after French Connection, he yeah, he gets like the movie star role in the ensemble disaster movie, The Poseidon Adventure, which is a hit. He's in prime cut with um, uh, Lee uh, Marvin, uh, directed by Michael Ritchie, who directed um, 
Hackman in a good sports movie called Downhill Racer from 1969 that I would recommend uh, people watch. 73, he's in Scarecrow with Pacino, which is that Mitchell, me and you were talking about that could have been a road movie on our yeah, incinerator right, podcast. Right, yeah. That's a great Jerry Sh- uh, Schatzberg movie. And, and Mitchell, I think you might know more about this movie than I do, but memory serves reading about it, watching it. Pacino and Hackman did not get along on the film because their acting styles were kind of very diametrically different. And I don't yeah. know that they made much. Did they made? I don't know that they made anything together after that. No, yeah, I don't. I mean, unless I'm forgetting something, they didn't do anything. I'll look it up. I don't that. think they and did. Yeah, I, a, but they're but they're they're like that opposition in the movie is great. You know, exactly. Works, but, yeah. yeah. Speaking of and too, like with um, I mean, it's kind of a repeating pattern that hackman doesn't get along with co-stars on sets and, well and specifically directors too yeah, yeah yeah and directors too but when we were just talking about um i never sang for my father i was reading this interview earlier um that he did with film comment like around the time that mississippi burning came out and they were talking about never sang for my father and him saying that mel um yeah melvin douglas didn't Melville like Douglas's him it. at all <laughs> and but like that i mean again i never sing for my father that kind of helps the relationship that we see on screen because there's such tension between those two characters gene having playing his son in the movie for people who don't know it's that. a good movie yeah it's I a good it's a good movie it. i had not seen it before um i'd not seen it before uh until i saw it for this uh, just research and i think it's gilbert kate's directed and it's like yeah, it's a pretty simple story. It's 90 minutes based on a play and it's just Gene Hackman is the is the kid who stayed home and he's never liked his father and his father's never been particularly nice and he's always loved his mother and the mother dies and the father's too old to live in the house alone and and Hackman is afraid of his father and he hates him. You know, yeah. and it's just what do you But did do? he sing for him though? Ever. You know, never, you, honestly you, you Never. make a joke, but that's that scene at the end of the movie when they talk about it is like <laughs> it is really great. I was like, "Oh, this is good." It's so much it's, well, that's in the Dan, that's in the Dan Mecca, that's in the Dan Mecca pocket. That's fathers and sons. Very that's, Mecca core. You know, that's, fathers and sons. Yeah. I never. Yeah, he's like, and well, the the beauty of it. It's very Giovanni Ribisi monologue from Saving Private Ryan. He says to Melvin Douglas, he's like. You always asked me to sing the song. I never did. Mm. It's kind of sad, you know, because it's just like these things in your life that you don't think about or you think about, but you brush off. And then at the end you go, why did I do that? Um, so that movie was good. Obviously, he earns the Oscar for that, like we said. And then the 70s are huge, right? He's in he's in French Connection 2, which is a like a... If you ever get a chance, just a wild sequel. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. an absolutely like in the world of like, what would we do for a sequel for a movie that would <laughs> never, there never should be a sequel to it? He's like, what if, so you know how he gets away at the end, <laughs> Fernando Ray gets away? What if like Popeye Doyle goes to France yeah. and then gets addicted to the drugs he, that <laughs> Fernando Ray is selling? What if that happens? And you're like, yeah. Okay, you have any other ideas? No? Okay, I guess we'll make that one. Um, he's got the great cameo in Young Frankenstein, uh, Bite the Bullet with uh, Candace Bergen. That could have been a B-side we talked about. He's in A Bridge Too Far, kind of a oh, he's got, subpar. He's got night moves. 
which Night is, Night Moves is great. Sorry, which, I missed that. Yeah, That's which is maybe Penn. one of the best noirs ever made, probably. Like, I don't, very underrated. Yeah. yeah, very good. Very <clears throat> underrated. Kind of a great. And also, Night Moves is like a great. If you ever wanted to be like, what is a Gene Hackman performance like? Yes, 100%. I would kind of. I would say to you like, well, watch Night Moves because yeah. like. It's got it all. Because for all that Popeye Doyle represents, and certainly that isn't such an iconic Hackman thing, it's he almost Night Moves almost is more encompassing of like more of his career, where like he is charming, but he's working class, but and maybe has a little chip on his shoulder about it like certainly but he can certainly exist in the rooms with the rich people right as as he'll do more as he gets older right he kind of has that more distinguished thing going on so you get a lot in night moves and yes certainly it's it's just a very kind of nasty 70s right why are we in vietnam why were we why were we in vietnam type of thing happening with night moves arthur penn obviously who did bonnie and clyde so um a bridge too far kind of overrated uh world war ii ensemble piece every actor who's ever lived is in that movie Mm -hmm. uh superman like we talked about and then after superman i read this profile that i'll probably reference a couple times um from 89 called Hollywood's Uncommon Everyman written by Michael Norman for the New York Times. And it's a pretty good um, profile. And in it, they talk about how Hackman after Superman took a break, right? He, his marriage wasn't, his marriage was kind of on its way out. uh, The downside of my, wait, uh, what is it? I'm, I'm on the I'm downslope of marriage. Of a my, marriage, my third. Uh, <laughs> even though it was Hackman's first, uh, and that was from that little quote was from Al Pacino from Heat. Uh, Blake Howard, how are you? So, um, <laughs> it basically talks about he takes a two year break after Superman because I think he's kind of like, what am I doing? He's a little kind of like. That, I mean, that Superman to Superman two, that shoot also seems like it was basically ter- a tough shoot, basically terrible yeah. for like most people involved. So right, Donner gets fired, Lester comes in. Yeah. Um, Hackman, I don't know if ha- did Hackman try to leave. I'm sure that people tried to yeah. leave. I, I don't right. want to like make things up happening. here, but <laughs> yeah, we, we can certainly look it up. But yeah. but and just to just to follow up, Pacino and Hackman did never make another movie together. Um. And yeah, so then he comes back, and this is what's interesting. The movies he comes back with, I think, are interesting because, like, they're weird, right? And the first one that comes out is this movie, All Night Long, which is our first B-side. And talk which, about weird. Yeah. It's a weird lot movie. Of, lot, lot to unpack here. Um, <laughs> it's directed by Jean-Claude Tremont, who didn't make a lot of films he was a french yep. director Be- belgium I, I wonder why <laughs> oh belgium is he, is he, I, oh, I believe sorry, thank i you. believe belgium you're Let right you're right yeah, yeah i'm sorry you're right he's belgian thank you um so he was uh yeah and so he was married yeah this is it i'm just i'm reading it he was married to um ha- uh, sue mangers who was a very famous hollywood agent and basically this movie's in pre-production, right? They have Hackman and Lisa Icorn, who was a pretty famous actor, uh, actress at the time. She's the co-star of an underrated gear movie we talked about on our gear B-side movie called Yanks. 
uh, which I would recommend everybody watch. Anyway, Icorn was cast in the role that Barbara Streisand will then pl- will will soon play. Basically, at the time, Streisand's like the biggest, most bankable actress in Hollywood, without question. Right? This is after Stars Born. This is after What's Up Doc. The main events making money. Right? It's like kind of at the moment where Streisand kind of can do no wrong a little bit. Um, so Sue Mangers is her agent and Sue Mangers is like, Hey, Barbara, I know you're looking for something like this. Here's all night long. I think you want to be in this movie. And Barbara looks at it and is like, yeah, I do want to be in this movie. And so they, and actually I misspoke. The film was in production. It wasn't in pre-production. They're filming with Icorn, but because the biggest movie star in the world is like, yeah, I'll be in it. They pause production, <laughs> fire wild. icon, just eight <laughs> weeks of footage. Oh, um, God, wow. And they hire Streisand for a hefty sum. And it is suggested, I'm just reading this off Wikipedia, it's suggested in more than one uh, biography about Streisand that the failure of All Night Long led to Streisand firing Mangers. Which I'll say this to watch all night long is to say, ah, I, I kind of get it. <laughs> like, I would think if I, if I were Babs, and by the way, it's her birthday today as we're yeah, recording. Happy so happy birthday, birthday Barbara. Um, she's listening. 80, happy birthday. Yeah, I believe she, she's, she's a no, known follower. She sent those listeners. letters. Yeah, big, we always, big we, fan. She was like, When are you going to do the all night long episode? Yeah. I want to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. She was going to be like, She was like, When are you going to do Up the Sandbox? When are you going to do uh, Nuts? Anyway, um, so and Babs, <laughs> fucking nuts. And okay. We're doing a B side, okay? Babs, <laughs> don't worry, that's coming. Um, we're coming to get you, Barbara. <laughs> so, oh, okay, perfect. who's gonna perfect. say what this movie happens in this movie? I and, mean, and, here's and, the, no, 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 don't, don't, no, don't pawn this off on one of us. You picked this movie, so I know all that is true. No, 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 you're right. No, no, I'll do it. I got it. You're right. You're right. You're right. Look, I can take responsibility for my actions. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Hackman plays a guy named George, and in the opening scene, he basically has a nervous breakdown and throws a computer. Is it? He the throws chair. A compu- he throws a chair. He throws a chair. chair. Yeah. Is it out of the window? Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's like so, a floor-to-ceiling yeah. window. Right, right, right. So, so yeah, he has a nervous breakdown, throws a chair out of a window in his office, and what it results in is like a hefty demotion, um, and they don't fire. There's basically this like pharmacy conglomerate. They don't fire him because he's been with the company so long, but they demote him to basically night, uh, night manager, a midnight yeah. shift manager at like a not great placed pharmacy you know in a not great area right yeah. that's like his demotion right so and by pharmacy it's not like you know it's it's like you know a supermarket ish sized it's like a big right aid you know it's like you can get stuff you can get yeah, like, yeah. You can they got, there, they got you paint can... there which i thought was very interesting that, that was the thing that caught me they're, up guard was they're the in the process of, of getting an electronics department you know so <laughs> Hey, man, construction happening inside things, the pharmacy in the popping off. <laughs> things things going on but they're i they don't do they say where specifically it's located i just i figured they were someone like well no i just mean like i guess you're right it could be any neighborhood but like the whole movie it's like people are coming in to steal shit dangerous yeah, people are like, coming in it, i pictured it like just whoever wrote it had like but... you know had one 
you know, semi scared white person moment in like Skid Row or something, and then was like, uh, uh, "W.D. Richter wrote it." Okay, so. sure, great. So W.D. had a tough time, you know, walking through downtown. LA <laughs> I mean, at in some fairness, W.D. Richter yeah, the- <laughs> like three years later makes Buckaroo Banzai and he directs it. So you know, yeah. and he wrote Big Trouble in Little China. Kind of, kind you of know. a big writer. He wrote two thousand five. Is it Stealth? He's, yeah, you know, we all know and love. <laughs> he wrote Nickelodeon. Bogdanovich. Um, Nickelodeon's good. I like, he, it. I he, like he wrote oh you know what's weird Mitchell? He, wrote he, the, wrote, he wrote that movie slither which that which we, yeah, recommended we to us yeah, yeah. On i caught Twitter. that earlier yeah I, I bought that when the person recommended it to oh, us that's you know because i just fucking buy which, movies though, i don't know why i do that. <laughs> i'll let you finish dan but like isn't it fucking weird that peter bogdanovich didn't direct this movie Honestly, yeah. It just feels well, uh, and, and it yeah. would be, and it would be better. Like I'm not saying this feels like a Bogdan. It just feels like something that would have been right up his alley. Well, anyway, he's making yeah. he's making his what's the name of the movie right now? 81. He's making everybody they all laughed. Oh, sure. Right. right. Great yeah. movie. Uh, sure, sure. So basically, George is, you know, working at this kind of uh demoted scenario. His son Freddie, played by a very young Dennis Quaid, is having an affair with the wife, the older wife of kind of like a family friend, right? And this woman is Cheryl, and it's Barbara Streisand, right? Did well, go ahead. Didn't they mention at some point that she's like their like distant cousin no, or yeah, something? She, I yes. feel like that so, got mentioned no, a couple so, times, so and I thought that was weird. Streisand's husband is Diane Ladd, who's who's Hackman's, Streisand's Hackman's wife. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. so Streisand's husband in the film is cousins with with Diane Ladd. With Diane Ladd. Okay. So it's they're like, not why, like they're not why like related. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They're not like related, but it is in some sort of semi creepy way. All it's in, a little all, weird. all in yeah. the all in the family kind of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so basically George meets uh you know Gene Hackman meets Barbara Streisand at this like it's like a wake, right? Like somebody dies it, or something. Yeah, and, it's the it's like the sister. It's like or yeah. no, it's some guy. I don't. Anyway, yeah, it's like another anyway, whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah, yeah. They meet, they meet, and then he finds out Dennis Quaid, his son, is cheating with her. He confronts his son, and then conf- he doesn't confront his son. He has like a creepy like, hey, way to go, you're. Like you're getting having sex you're, you're with getting this woman. Laid, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then he confronts Cheryl, but then it becomes kind of like a flirty meet cute. And then really without going into specifics, it's really just a comedy of errors. It's just kind of a marriage comedy where like yeah. pretty early on Diane Lane Diane Ladd finds out before anything's really happened. Right. But at this point, Hackman's just so fed up. He's like, whatever, I'm out of here. He <laughs> leaves the house. And then it's just kind of a will they, won't they with Barbara and Gene, though they obviously will. And then things continue to depreciate at the store, but Hackman cares less and less. And it's all kind of ends in a basically a happy ending, which is... <laughs> So suffice it to say, a lot happens, and I just think my – I really didn't like this movie. Let me just say, I, I I really, really, really didn't like this movie. And my main reason for not liking it uh, – well, the two main reasons is it's not funny, right? So that was a problem. <laughs> and then two, two was that 
and look, we talked about this with Harry and Son when we did Paul Newman. Yeah. This comes up when we, we, we talk about movies, you know, from a different time. But the movie, you know, Tremont, the director, Richter, the writer, right? The movie seems to be saying to you, you get Hackman, right? Like he's, <laughs> yeah. he's not that bad of a guy. And, you know, me and my wife were watching this movie. We were like, this guy is horrible. Like, I get life's hard. And he had a breakdown. And, you know, there's an American beauty thing happening here and, right. and all of these things. That None of that is excusing, like, cheating on your wife, you know. It, tr- it's like, a, it's like a mean, a it's a mean, mean movie. Like, but, yeah, but, it's, it's, but it's not, it's not, movie, yeah, and it's not, but it, I don't, it's a mean movie and I think it only occasionally intends on being that. Like, I don't, I don't think it try. I think it thinks it's being sweet and like good natured most of the time. And the biggest sin actually is that like Barbara's in this movie who I love and I don't know what she's doing, but, but, but Mitchell, you, you did like this. Did you, t- t- if you did tell us why, please. Yeah. So. I like this movie. <laughs> Good. Tell I, me. I have, I do have all of the exact same issues that you guys have with it. I think the fact that it, you know, those has, are Dan's issues. I have separate that issues. Dan, that keep, Dan has. Keep going. <laughs> I agree with all of the issues that Dan has just expressed. We will see if I agree with the issues that Connor <laughs> expressed. <laughs> but we yeah, are the, not a, we are not a monolith. The fact that it like ends with a happy ending is very confusing because it does kind of seem Ugh. to embrace this idea of Hackman as this like noble free spirit. Even after yes. he, he he leaves the job, I mean, he gets the demotion and he doesn't give a shit. And then when the whole scene happens where Quaid finds out that Hackman's sleeping with Barbara and then he comes yeah. home in like a tough and just like wakes up his dad in the middle of the day and punches the closet door and it just very openly is like I can't believe that you're sleeping with her so that's how Diane Ladd finds out and then Hackman yeah just in that exact scene he doesn't even try to talk about it or anything he just packs up a suitcase and no, leaves yeah and- I did I did I did appreciate that scene in the sense of like I don't know that I'd seen that handled that way. We're like, we're like, I could believe a shitty husband, father doing that and that making sense in the moment where he yeah. kind of was like, you know, what, right. actually I haven't done anything with her, but yes, I was flirting with her. And you know what? Fine. I'm out of here. Well, like, you know, he's what? Just like you, know over what? you know why yeah. I kind of appreciated that scene is it's like a version of that scene that I think, Dan, you and I have definitely talked about on the show before. It's like a version of the scene in a scanner darkly where mm. I love where, that scene. where Keanu Reeves and it's uh, the version in Scanner Darkly is like way sadder and like whatever but like but I feel like <laughs> so relatable I feel like they're so cut, cut from the same cloth of like so whatever we, we talked about it before but I'll just say it quickly there's a scene in a Scanner Darkly where Keanu Reeves is with his family and he's living very much like a whatever a, you know idyllic seemingly idyllic suburbanite you know upper middle class life and one day he just bangs his head too hard and he just it's like a, a switch just flips and he just walks out like he's just like, I this is what well, what am yeah. I doing here? And he like leaves. Right. And I feel like this scene in All Night Long is a is a version of that. And that's why I appreciated it, because to your point, Dan, I do. I think there's something to be said for the like American beauty aspect of this movie of a guy who's literally just every 
every piece of his life, he's deciding like, fuck it. Right. And that's whatever you can tell that story. Like, and there's a way to do it. Um, and sorry, Mitchell, I'll let you continue. I didn't want to like Shanghai it, but, (laughs) but you can, you can, there's a place to tell that story. I just think the people making the movie aren't aware of how to do that. Like, cause I think what happens in this movie, I think the, the Quaid Hackman thing, that'll never not be weird when I see that in a movie, like, and I feel like no one ever really knows how to approach anything like that in any kind of elegant fashion, uh, at all. But the general sort of spiraling of, you know, like of, uh, Hackman, I think, is interesting to watch and i think he sells pretty well like i i'll let you continue mitchell but my my main thought on the movie is just that i think this is a collection of actually really great performances that aren't wrangled together well enough to like make it work because i think they think they're making like a lubich movie or some shit and it's like not that right it's like a different What's interesting about this movie is like a different thing. And I think if they had decided to make a in a slightly more intentionally acidic movie, as opposed to something that like might be kind of farcical and sweet, I think the movie would have been more of a success because I think Hackman in particular is actually giving like a great performance, like just to see him disheveled in the store. Like, you know, he I think he sells all that stuff really well. But anyway, uh back to you Mitchell. Yeah, the the Lubitsch thing is is inter- I was reading some of the reviews for it and Pauline Kael specifically cited Lubitsch in her positive review of it and like Max Ophuls and Jacques Tati as people that she felt like, you know, it bore similarities to. And I think my biggest issue with it is the idea of the happy ending and the fact that it like justifies Hackman's character in a weird way at the end and makes us think that or at least portrays that we're supposed to be rooting for him this whole time which is confusing because he is just kind of a shit um but i've still found that weirdly fascinating and the things that i love about it dan you said that you know you didn't think that it was funny at all i thought it was kind of hilarious and especially the the stuff within the pharmacy um i just really loved i it reminded me of those like 80s dark comedies like something like miracle mile or like after Mm. hours with these like all night long and like just like the weird kind of hallucinogenic stuff that happens when you haven't slept and you're just up in the middle of the night and we keep seeing i mean i don't know what kind of pharmacy this would ever be where people are just constantly coming in all hours of the night at like four in the morning to rob the place or there's one like whole sequence with a lady who comes in trying to rob it i think and she the security guard who has a gun tries to stop her and she pulls out this chain and this whole elaborate fight sequence happens yeah, she's like with basically this lady, like, a wrestler with the chain. like yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like yeah well, the secu- I, yeah one of one of the <laughs> i will say one of the moments i did laugh in this comedy is when <laughs> hackman um and that that security guard is Chris. I can't remember his last name, but he's in Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. He's, and he's a great character. He's, actor. He, yeah, he's in um, a ton of stuff. You would yeah, everybody I'll, would I'll recognize him the second they saw I'll, him. I'll, I'll get his name uh, in, in a second, but 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 um, but uh, anyway, um, yeah, he goes he goes to shoot. <laughs> 
the the woman, right? I believe, and he like takes out a gun and like Hackman's like dealing with another thing and he like runs over to like save this like unruly customer's life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, the yeah. gun goes off. And he, oh yeah, because Hackman's with Hackman, Barbara Streisand. Hackman right? pushes like yeah. a cart of stuff into the guard because he's like. And then the minute it happens, yeah. Streisand's like, "You just saved someone's life." She's like <laughs> cooing on him, and I'm like, "This movie is." Yeah, I mean, I did laugh though. I did laugh. All yeah. of those vignettes. I mean, there's another one where like there's a remote. Con- somebody has a remote control helicopter, and it just like goes out that of control. Is and it's, like, that sequence is insane. And like Ride of Valkyries weirdest. starts playing, and <laughs> yeah. Like the, I honestly would rather have just watched a ninety-minute movie that was just uh, these like weird-ass vignettes. Go ahead, Dan. Chris Mulkey is his name. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, continue. And but the so the stuff that for me doesn't necessarily work is the romance stuff, the love like quadrangle basically between Hackman and Quaid, and then Streisand and Streisand's husband, and like all of that going on, like that didn't really land for me i think particularly because of streisand's character it felt like they didn't know what they were doing with her and her performance tonally is just really off for me which i don't think is a fault towards her it doesn't play to any of her strengths exactly yeah yeah. other other than obviously being very beautiful like that you know like yeah that's and that's that's that's, that's part of the confusing thing too is like i don't know if we're supposed to as an audience supposed to think that she is this like seductive temptress who's you know manipulating all these guys it's or a little th- manic pixie thing yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you and you can see look you know babs has always been very controlling about her image right famously mm-hmm. so and certainly what that can lead to is um you know, a staleness in sure. the roles you're taking and the mm-hmm. risks you're taking because you're so concerned about your image, which, you know, you can say that for many movie stars, right? Yeah. It's like a very common thing. So I could totally understand a world where she's had so much success, but there's been sacrifices along with it, right? A Star is Born is a great example of kind of, that was really her movie, but ultimately... She felt pressured into making a lot of compromises on that set in the in in and in, in the editing room that she openly regrets to this day, like scenes cut out of the movie and what have you. So I could understand, of course, a world where like her agents like this is a different thing, right? It's not a huge movie, but it's you know, it's a real movie. And she's like, Yeah, let me play a like a more straightforward punchline delivery system as opposed to like you know almost more like what's up doc right which you know that was bogdanovich kind of you know she wanted to work with bogdanovich and and bogdanovich kind of got her convinced her to do that right because she wanted to do she wanted to do like something uh, more serious last picture show right and he was like no do a comedy you'll be great yeah and (laughs) it was a huge hit and i think you could kind of you could understand her being like let me do something edgy like that a little bit more bite you know a little bit more sexy right there is sex in this movie yeah. right like yeah. she is sexy in the movie you could like i get it it's just to terrible me, wig just, work though awful it just did oh god the hair is yeah. it scarlet widow level wig work are we saying <laughs> are we saying that it's, is it I mean, scar joe Level. It's, it's, uh, it's Kate, uh, Kate Mara and Fantastic Four. Yeah, it's pretty 
bad. It's, it's pretty, pretty bad. bad. I and and what's I'm glad you brought up what's up, Doc Dan, because it is like, and I know this isn't the Barbara episode, but it's her birthday, so we'll we'll give it to her. Um, <laughs> but th- like the difference between because the characters are somewhat similar, right? Like, what's up, Doc? If you wanted to be reductive about it is about a woman who's ruining a man's life. Like, uh, you know what it t- turns out for the better, right? Turns out he's, it turns out she's saving. Yeah. Life, right. Bro. Right. But like, you know <laughs> That's what I mean? The like, twist. He's yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Whereas this, I think part of the thing that doesn't play well when she goes into seductress mode is like, it's kind of hard not to watch this movie and look at her as being somewhat culpable where you're like, lady, like you're like, dismantling this family like and there isn't I mean, quaid's like a kid basically yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like which what that has its own problems and when <laughs> you know we're, we won't even try to unpack that because we'll be talking for Eunice? five hours what what's a Eunice? <laughs> <laughs> but um but even just her her relation and granted obviously you know it takes two to tango in that regard but there is an element of her kind of turning into to to like a seductive mode that like you're you it is a little bit like and i guess they they reveal later that she's like trapped so there is like a motivation behind it and it does feel real i just think the problem with it is that they i think they try and play it too too light well yeah your point like yeah they play it too too light. light and i actually think if she maybe wasn't so scared to be a little bit more of like just a little bit sort of deeply sad about the whole thing kind of I think it all comes off way better and it all plays way better dramatically. And I think and that's let me just, kind of the big Let me problem. jump in with one asterisk. You said two to tango. And I just want to say, unless you are uh, Matthew Perry, <laughs> Nev Campbell, and Dylan McDermott, in which case it's it doesn't detail. It doesn't. It's, 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 um, three to tango. it's just important to say, it's just important to say because representation matters and I just don't want like three to tango. Those people, that, that's their journey. I just want to say that. Yeah. Um, they are, they are so, all listening, and they were upset by yeah. Connor look, just Dylan, mentioning it. We've just Dylan, lost three, three Dylan, has, Dylan has reached out to us with complaints, <laughs> and I just want to try to get ahead of it. So now here's what's interesting. So All Night Long really doesn't open, doesn't do well, as we said. Um, the same year, he's got his little role in another Warren Beatty Project, Reds. Uh, you know, it's kind of more... It's, Kind of a cameo. Yeah. Um, two years later, he's in Under Fire, which is a pretty good movie. Roger Spottiswood directed with Nick Nolte, Joanna Cassidy. Underperformed, though, as well. Two of a kind. It's a cameo. The, the, we have not talked about it. We will. I know that the Mixed Reviews boys have talked about it when they did Olivia Newton-John. It is the Grease reunion with Travolta and Newton-John. And it is a crazy movie. And um, <laughs> let's just say Hack, Hackman voices God in that movie. Okay. Um, As he should. Yeah. Yeah. That feels He's right. in the hit movie Uncommon Valor, which I did watch ahead of this. I watched I as well. I, yeah, I, both I thought of you I'd did. I didn't catch it. it. I did like it well enough. It's got, it's, mo- it's got moments. It's Ted Kotcheff's uh, follow-up to first blood and it's got the same dna as first blood. indeed it's kind yeah. of like you could double we left them. men behind men are suffering yeah. um kind of surprisingly poignant that same year though he makes i think a near masterpiece he makes nicholas roig's 
Eureka. Good. Fuck yeah. Good picture. Which I almost Fuck, think we, yeah. we should have yeah, just I swapped kind of, in. I wish we had known about it. I mean, we can, you guys must, we can do a quick it. 10 on Eureka. Like, let's just fucking talk about it. it. What like, a movie. Yeah. Let's just say. Yeah. Like, so it's, I mean, I don't think we need to spend, I don't think we need to. So basically it's, it's, um, so, so friend of ours, Matt Patches, he totally separately on Twitter mentioned eureka and just basically being like does anybody know anything about this movie ida he said i had a friend call it nicholas ruggs citizen kane and i was like yeah that's what it is i mean rogue is 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 a very idiosyncratic filmmaker if you've seen his films walkabout right uh performance uh don't look now bad timing that timing with our garfunkel like he makes very weird idiosyncratic movies the editing is the thing what have you eureka is like that times 10 he gets gene hackman uh you get young mickey rourke you get joe pesci Pesci. um and rutger hauer rutger hauer it's this who's the the daughter is Teresa russell Teresa russell and he's very good in it and it's this insane movie where basically Hackman is a uh, prospector. He's prospecting for gold up in, I think it's, a, is it the Yukon? It's the Alaska? Yukon. Yeah. And, and he is like with a pseudo partner, but then he, the partner kind of is encroaching on him. And he has this thing where he's like, what is the line? He's like, he's like, I never made. A, I never, I made, never a, made. a I never made a, a buck off of nobody, of anybody kind of, else's yeah, sweat or something. Sweat, yeah, something like that. Yeah. And he's like basically traversing this mountain, looking for gold on his final breath, and in this moment of literal, literal, like a serial, like. And this is kind of what this movie's about. In in this moment of, you know, godlike damnation slash, you know. Um, exhilaration yeah divine like a a moment of divine intervention he finds gold like literally a mountain made yeah it's i mean it's a scene the first like 20 minutes of this movie are like yeah Yeah, the first 20 minutes of this movie i literally i'm not even kidding when i was watching this i put this on on like a sunday afternoon i was like 20 minutes into this movie i was like oh this I, mean, I don't know if I've ever seen anything better than this. Right. I was like, this is this is this is top five right now. Like, this is crazy good. Yeah, like, there's so many it's things. It's unbelievable. Like, he's like with this witch, and she, and he's like Jesus dying, Christ, and she, it kind of the idea is like there's a lot of implications. Like he basically sells his soul in yeah. that room and, to yeah. her to live, so he can find the gold. And then the minute and, after he's with her. She sort of withers away, right? And he goes and he falls into this like hole in the, this like grotto or whatever in the ground, yeah. And it just is fuck. It's like fucking Hobbit levels of <laughs> fucking gold, literally just yeah. Start and then you know and whatever. then it's <laughs> and then it's literally like cut to many years later. He's he is the richest man in the world. Yeah, yeah. He is on an island on a compound his own Eure- island yeah. yeah called eureka he's got a daughter um he's got three seasons of a television show he's got three <laughs> seasons of a, sci- a sci-fi television show and um and then the rest of the movie is just different factions collaborating to get his money and he's aware yeah. of it and he's paranoid 
and he probably should be. Yeah. You know, well, he though, definitely I should. guess they yeah. keep, well, I guess I mean, they yeah, keep, right. like it's, it's just to be clear, <laughs> they like. keep it at arm's length where it's like, he doesn't know who to trust or not to trust. And that's the whole point. Yeah. And it's just kind of like the curse of wealth. Right. Yeah, and, exactly. And the it's downfall, all about like the, the downfall of a man, the heirs of capitalism, basically like you fight all your life to get this, you know, wealth and then you get it and you're not happy. And then you're, yeah. your only fixation then is the fear of people who are coming to usurp your own wealth and take the spot that you claim for yourself like i mean it's and it's so compelling too and i'll say I, this so, so so hackman in this profile that i referenced earlier he talks about when he came back to acting after this little break right and he's making these movies right he get he allowed himself to be more emotional on screen mm. And he cries more, sure. right, and, and and what have you. And I think Eureka, you can kind of see, he ex, he's expanding his palette as an actor, right? And like, and even you know, a lot of there's a lot of movies in the '80s that are very like movie star kind of action thriller movies, and I think a lot of them are good. But like, he's doing the movie star thing, but but a movie like Eureka, Eureka shows you what he's going to give you, like, um, a little bit more of kind of as we continue right and you yeah. get stuff like the royal tenenbaums right mm -hmm. obviously many years later right and you get stuff like welcome to mooseport um, <laughs> <laughs> i mean the nuance <laughs> in welcome to mooseport no but 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 it's interesting to think about that because he does so much good work early in his career but you can really tell he comes back to it and there is a ref he's refreshed it in feels some way. like yeah. yeah it feels like someone both utilizing the tools they've already developed and somehow like it's like you're watching in real time them discover and build new ones right like they're like or just so be open to it like yeah even like, yeah like like uncommon valor which is not some great movie but he opens up at the end of that movie and it is powerful it sneaks up yeah. on you he really does the, like the um, scene just yeah. real quick about that movie the sequence in which they're like about to go in and do their mission or whatever Oh, and, an uncommon value. And he's yeah. yeah, and he's like tasked with you know he's like trying to think of some good fucking leadery thing to say, so he just quote he, he can't think of anything, so he just quotes uh, Julius Caesar. Yeah, but he like knows what's coming out of his mouth. He, it's it I it's it's one of those beautiful things a great actor like him can do, where like what's coming out of your mouth and what's happening on your face are totally disconnected, and like at odds with one another. Um, and he's selling both totally. of them at the same time. Kind of anyway. Sorry, go on. No, no, that's well said. I mean, you know, and and and, and we like talking about this. I mean, you know, what's the thing about Gene? What does he give you? What's different? And I think the thing about him is, right? He's giving you intensity. He's giving you toughness. He's giving you earthiness. Right? He's giving you like, I, if I looked down the bar at my local watering hole and Gene Hackman was sipping on a seven and seven, I would be like, oh. There's Gene. Like it wouldn't be Tom Cruise sitting down there. It wouldn't be Brad Pitt yeah, yeah, sitting yeah. down there. It wouldn't be Julia Roberts sitting down there. It would be, you know, another person that I know. Right. right I think sure. Hackman gives you that. And then I think though, and this is important, what he also gives you is, you know, a sense of sympathy no matter what he's doing. And I think what's interesting in that profile, um, they reference a, what, what obviously we know never happened is he was supposed to play Hannibal Lecter in The Silence of the Lambs. 
and I just can't, me and Connor were talking about this. I can't imagine him playing Lecter because there's too much humanism yeah. in Hackman. Like, and even he, he plays a killer on death row only a few years later in the, in the chamber. Right. And it doesn't work because of that. So it's interesting where like, I don't, you know, he plays sons of bitches all the time, but you're right, Mitchell. What, what do you think? Like, yeah, well, yeah. Well, I mean, while I right you were there, talking you about that, I know you you watched on you rewatched Unforgiven today, right? And just I think today, that's, just today. that's yes. a very clear example of him 100%. having a character who, yeah, little on Bill the page, is not just a. He, there's yeah, he's yeah, like yeah on the page on. he could be yeah. like a loathsome, like horrific character, but the way that Hackman plays him, and I, you know, some credit to the script as well, but I think especially with having an actor like Hackman in the role. There's so much more complexity and dimensionality there where you do have this odd sense of sympathy or even empathy with him at times. And then you have that kind of confusion within yourself of like, why am I feeling for this guy? But yeah, he's somebody who navigates those lines so well. And I think that it's because he has this intuitiveness with his own sensitivity and vulnerability where he's able to channel that no matter what kind of role he's in. But yeah, it would it would be interesting to see him in. Some, I haven't seen The Chamber yet. I need to see that one. But something like Hannibal Lecter would be odd to see him in because it's hard to imagine him playing somebody who's so removed from their humanity. I yeah, mean, I Lex Luthor. But sure. He, well, I, the, but the difference is... And but it's, it's funny. I, no, no, no. Right, right. I don't <laughs> think... And I don't think this undercuts anything you just said. I think what is helpful is that when he has played sociopaths, right, like... He takes what would normally be that human quality to get you to sympathize and he converts it into, you know, like a, the the whatever, the Ted Bundy-esque quality to just like charm you, right? Right, and, sure, yeah, and yeah. I think right, And he finds the thing, like in yeah. Superman, I mean, and it's obviously this is light stuff, but you know, the, the fact that he's fighting Superman and how annoying would that be? <laughs> right, 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 right. Is, right. You, you, you yeah. Yeah, 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 sure. That. You're like, That's yeah, Superman that would be well, and, and I was the, going against a god. Having yeah, to deal with annoying. like Ned Beatty yeah. all the time and what, you oh, know, I like that Ned he, he sells that all so, through yeah. so well. And again, to it your is, point, ultimately it is kind of unfair what happens to Lex Luthor. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> if we're getting, if we're justice, getting into it. Justice yeah, let's, you know what? Lex You know what? It's true. Mitchell, it's true and you should say it. Yeah. Um, um, but so, but so, yeah, so I think, look, Eureka, it's a great movie. Um, it barely, it barely came out. Obviously Nick Roig kind of undersung kind of great director. You probably know the witches, which is a great movie as well, but, but he's made many, many good things. Yeah. Under, um, undersung in the way that I feel like people don't, I feel like you never really hear people talk about him a ton. But when the movies that are great that he's made come up, people are like, great yeah. movie. You know, like right. that, that kind of thing. And then it's like, you know, Misunderstood, Twice in a Lifetime, Target, which I believe is with Matt Dillon. A, a kind of a lesser seen Sidney Lumet movie called Power with uh, mm. um, Richard Gere and Denzel, Denzel Washington. Yeah. That. that movie's okay. It's kind of interesting. Hoosiers, of course, is probably one of Hoosiers in No Way Out are probably like the biggest moment of his 80s in terms of just money and hit and whatnot and leaning into um, basically what i think would come to define the two sets of roles that he winds up kind of mostly finding himself in right because then it's like it's like first career post he, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah villain or you know 
every inspiring man, yeah, leader. like every man, yeah. blue collar, swaggering, you know. Uh, he's got a nice role in um, kind of an underseen Woody Allen, another woman. I was going to bring up another woman because I feel like that is. It's a little him. different from everything else. Yeah, it's him yeah. at like his most tender. And I think that's a really wonderful oh, that's side nice. of him to see. I, I was going to say. <laughs> kind that, of a good. Uh, another yeah. woman's kind of good. I, I, it, uh, and it's a good. I really like it. I like. I Look, I mean, look, it, it, it is what it is. I like most of Woody Allen's movies. He's he's a director I love. I, it is what it is, but um, oh, there are people coming woman, up behind you with handcuffs right now woman, to take another you away woman to jail. isn't one of my favorites, but there is great stuff in it for sure. He's for sure. really leaning into his Bergman thing, which he can lean into a little oh, yeah. bit too much sometimes. That, well, I would argue that period of time, uh, yeah, yeah, God, yeah, God knows we don't want this to become a Woody Allen podcast, but. <laughs> That the late '80s, early '90s, he's like, "What if I just fucking make a few Bergman movies?" Straight yeah, up? and mm-hmm. what, and people were like, "Well, okay, <laughs> what, what if you don't? If it's if they're all husbands and wives and crimes and misdemeanors, sure, right? But yeah, if, it's, yeah. if, it's, if it's shadows and fog, uh, yeah, yeah, September, man. The only September. movie he so last thing I'll say <laughs> in his budgets, Woody Allen always has a contingency for reshoots. And then there's like an emergency switch in the way he structures the financing of his movie where if he needs to reshoot the entire movie, there's like a drop dead moment and he can do yeah. that. And completely the only time he's September was September. He completely recast the movie and reshot and try, the yeah. whole movie. That's insane. Um, anyway. Still not great. Not a good movie. Yeah. 1988, <laughs> uh, many movies, including Another Woman, he makes Mississippi Burning, earns his third Oscar nomination um and Fourth, then in 89 he supporting it 89 he is in the package directed by andrew davis co-starring tommy lee jones and john hurd uh mitchell tell us about the package oh okay um the package is i think one of dan you've seen it a few times and one of your reviews on letterbox <laughs> i think captured yes. it well that it is a movie where it feels like almost deliberately you don't have a clue what the fuck is going on for the yeah. first like 20, hour. Yeah, 20, 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. At least the first like 30 minutes. And then you yeah. start to kind of key in. And ultimately it is kind of a simple plot. Like the, the macro idea of it is that it's set during the Cold War and the U.S. and Soviet governments are about to sign this like disarmament treaty to basically eliminate all nuclear weapons. And at the same time... Hackman is playing. Um, I can't remember his rank, but Johnny Johnny Gallagher's Johnny his name, Gallagher. Though. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's, he's a, a master. He's sergeant. a master sergeant. Yes, and he he gets assigned to. He has a job that kind of goes wrong. That's not really his fault, but his superiors pass the blame onto him. And as like a punishment, he gets assigned to escort a criminal army sergeant named Walter Henke, played by Tommy Lee Jones, from West Berlin back to the U.S. for a court martial. And then when they get into the U.S. almost immediately. Hackman gets jumped in his bathroom. Tommy Lee Jones escapes. And soon after that, he discovers that Tommy Lee Jones is not the guy that he thought he was, that he was, you know, assigned to escort back. And then a whole conspiracy starts to unfold. And Hackman's basically playing like catch up, trying to figure out who this guy is, what's going on. Yeah, I was saying to Connor, it's basically the, the pitch in the room would be like, what if you worked for the government? Or the military, and you unknowingly 
uh, smuggled Lee Harvey Oswald back into the country. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, there, yeah, there's yeah. so many allusions what, to JFK assassination. Because that's what the movie's basically about. It's like, oh, actually, this guy, Tommy Lee Jones, is, is an operative meant to disrupt yeah. the peace talks that are happening betwixt the Soviet Union exactly, and, yeah. and the United States, which is interesting. Like, it's an interesting idea. It doesn't ever really congeal in a way where like I could tell you confidently like yeah this was really well done but mm. like Andrew Davis who you know a couple of years later will give us the fugitive. the fugitive which is the best example of how to do one of these movies like right. I literally like it, no th- I was going to say this feel, this almost feels it's like a dry like run. a dry because like, yeah. it, it even mm-hmm. it even ends in the exact same place yeah <laughs> the climax yeah. of the movies are at the same exact Chicago hotel <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Cue the John Mulaney joke. Yeah. That hotel. That hotel. <laughs> it's that ballroom. Yeah. So you can sell more Pervasic. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, it was that hotel. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, Tommy Lee Jones is fun in it. Um, this is He's really your, fun in it. He's really like, it's a yeah. different kind of role for him. I mean, I know well, yeah, he's kind about of like, to do a, like a few of these. Because right? this, yeah, exactly. this is pre Under Siege, right? It's like two pre, years pre before Under Siege. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's Under like, Siege. He's he just got like such a weird yeah. run in like the 70s and 80s. Blown away. Like, yeah. The Eyes of Laura Mars. Oh yeah, God, blown yeah. away. And like, um, what's that? Stormy Monday is like in the 80s. And he's like an odd kind of actor around this time before he settles into that groove of basically his like fugitive character like re- on repeat for so many different times right. Right? Well, with argue, like different kind of variations. wouldn't you wouldn't you agree it's almost in a different way he has a gene hackman kind of a thing as well where it's like yeah 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 he's mm-hmm. doing a few things early and they work mm-hmm. but then when he hits his stride here late 80s early 90s and then obviously he gets the oscar for the fugitive he becomes starts being funny, right? There's yeah. he finds these like different nuances. He to takes what his he can play thing and starts doing like variations on. And then it, I was like, and, like Men in Black is like incredibly that's exactly, that's well done, you know. Yeah. And like yeah, I, I, I mentioned Blown Away and like Blown Away is I think it's 94, 93, 94. and that's a good movie. You have like the package, and then he one ups it with. The siege, and then he one ups it with blown away, where he's like playing these like insane characters, right? Higher, yeah. higher, and higher, and it all culminates um, yeah. in Harvey Two Face and Batman Forever. Um, <laughs> that's actually true. <laughs> I know I mean, I'm not joking. It's like that's actually it's, true. It's yeah. one of those things where, if, like, if you look back at that Batman performance, you might think of it as an outlier because of what you think of when you think of Tommy Lee Jones. He was telling us but what you, you think of him you, now. Yeah, yeah. But when you watch like the package and under, you're like, oh yeah, that is the same dude. That, that's it, like, the way he was going. Yeah, right? yeah it <laughs> makes like, perfect sense. Yeah. Um, but so anyway, the point is, Andrew Davis is a very capable action director, and I think yeah. that's that's the stuff in the package that works really well, right? Yeah, yeah. there are no. great sequences in it. There's a there, whole sequence you know, in like a parking garage where like Hackman, his like ex, is played by Joanna Cassidy. Joanna Cassidy, yeah. and yeah, who you mentioned earlier. Um, they have great chemistry together under they, fire and uh, and and the package. Yeah, yeah, Agreed. they're really good together. And there's a whole sequence where she people are trying to kidnap her in this parking garage and Hackman shows up to like rescue her. And there's a whole kind of like chase sequence that happens in the parking garage. And I was like, fuck, this is like shot incredibly. Like this is yeah. really compelling stuff. And it just makes you appreciate Davis as like an action director, just really getting in there and making you feel like the intensity of those it, kind of sequences. And the way he sets up, I mean, and this goes along with just being a good action director. I mean, one of the key things anybody brings up, obviously, 
when you talk about somebody who can direct action well is just like an understanding of geography coherence yeah in a sequence and like just spatial reality right and a lot of the climax of this movie has a lot to do with that right and the way it mm. gives you the breadcrumbs to set that up in various pieces as um as uh tommy lee jones is sort of casing his sort of spot throughout the movie part of the reason i think i said this to you dan i think part of the reason tommy lee jones has the most fun in this movie is because we're really kind of ignoring him most of the time and we just kind of pop in on him and each time he's like wearing a different disguise <laughs> like yeah. uh, so he just got to kind of like pick a few things out of the fucking wardrobe department and uh, and put them on and walk around chicago but the way that all ultimately builds up to the last whatever 10 minutes of the movie um is really nice and i think davis has a really good sense of that i think where this movie falters and again it's tough because i don't you know as compared to the fugitive which is one of the greatest action thrillers ever made right so but i i think part of it is that i don't think i think hackman is just kind of running right in the middle on this like i don't really think and again like i said before like his his baseline is way better than anybody else trying really hard, right? So I think he's I think he's fine and I think it all totally serves the movie. But he's like not as keyed in as somebody like Ford is in The Fugitive, right? And I think that's part of a that's part of a problem. You got a fun supporting cast too. You got uh John Pam Hurt. Greer, baby. Pam Greer shows up for a couple scenes and John Hurd. Love John uh, Hurt. Popping in. John Hurt as the guy who you know is probably going to be the right, best. Guy. Right, right. <laughs> His first um, scene, you're like, oh. He, oh, you mean the government guy named Whitaker? Is it? It seems like a bad guy. I don't. <laughs> Um, Dennis Franz is fantastic, and Dennis oh, yes, Franz is so much fun in this. Is that relationship, I love. Yeah, Chicago is Chicago. This, yeah, this, this, by the way, yeah, this movie is a sausage. Like it literally is just the. <laughs> yeah, it's the, a brat. It's the, a brat. The yeah. second half of this movie is just the. Fu it's full of the most fucking Chicago actors. They talk about Bill Brasky all yeah. the time. <laughs> it's literally like a bunch of dudes just in windbreakers who are li a little thick around the middle, and everybody has a mustache. <laughs> like it's the fucking most Chicago uh, movie maybe ever made no offense to chicago we love our listeners in chicago but if you've seen the package you know what i'm talking about and then so yeah i mean the package does not great i don't yeah i mean from what i'm looking at yeah kind of underperforms ultimately and this is kind i mean this is what's interesting this is kind of the the default with with Gene for his movies that he leads, like Mississippi Burning was a hit, but like Bat 21 from Fuse before doesn't do that well. Him and Danny Glover. Um, then he makes Narrow Margin, which is a is a good movie. I'd Great fucking watch. movie. Fucking slaps. Also kind of underperforms Class Action in 91. Also him. a good movie. Good movie. Him and Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio and a very hot Larry Fishburne. My word. My word. Uh, that one does actually fairly well. That makes almost $30 million. That's a Michael Hotter Apted than Jeep joint. Cover, Larry Fishburne? 
It's the same. It's the same. Like, oh, same year, year before. Love class it. Action's the year before. And he is just fuck. I, I, mean, I gotta watch yeah, Class him, Action. Him at that time period, like there is literally nobody hotter who's ever existed. In right, because that. World. So that's because that's also like that's like Boys in the Hood is the same. Yeah, right. I think the same year as Class Action ninety one, right? Ninety one, ninety two. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. I had the biggest crush on Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio. Um, that's the thing. Great, that's the thing. This is what, yeah. This is what yeah. I said to you guys, and and uh, like when we were chatting about it, is that I I really enjoyed Class Action. It's like a ludicrous plot that would never happen in the real world. Oh but yeah, no. Just yeah. as far as like the law works, but <laughs> <laughs> it's very fun. But the thing that I felt most robbed of from it is that Master Antonio and Fishburne have like such electric chemistry and they don't really do anything with it and i wish that i could have watched like five oh. hours of the two of them together just like i don't know fucking basically <laughs> yeah seriously no i mean it's it's Down true i mean tax. i appreciate it not the, i was i was <laughs> like, trying to think like, of a way yeah, to say yeah, it what's right. a better way to say this you know <laughs> yeah, whatever yeah. um having but yeah, like, you know just fuck. <laughs> i just could, well, I would watch them fuck for two hours um <laughs> And then, you know, like that same year, right, Company Business comes out, which is a Nicholas Meyer movie, which I did watch. You guys um, both kinda, watched that, right? I kind of liked it, I got to say. It's okay. Yeah. Um, huge, huge disappointment, kind of. And what's interesting about this movie, and Connor, I was saying this to you. This it's poster, basically, have you seen the poster for this fucking movie? Yeah, I'm looking, I was looking at it right now. It's fantastic. <laughs> he's like, he's, he's Brezhnikov like, literally like leaning on the world uh, with a yeah. gun pointed the yeah, off the camera. And I was just like, like oh, I don't know whatever, about this. Dancer. Oh, damn. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now, I will just say, I do love that Mikhail Brzezhnikov was so good at dancing for so long <laughs> that, that Hollywood, Hollywood was just like, you know what? He's got to. He's got to also be a movie star, right? We got to try. We got to try. Yeah, just and get one get like, shot at least. You, you get like White Knights. You get the company turning business. Point. You get the turning point. You get dancers. You fun. get a run in um, Sex in the City. Good run. I liked him in Sex and the City. I like him in, in season four. Yeah, I like him. Um, anyway, so Hackman is is a chat. Oh, Hackman has always been a challenging person on set, right? That is pretty well established, and. Nicholas Meyer, basically, this was a script he wrote himself trying to capture kind of the energy of the, you know, uh, everything changing with the Soviet Union kind of falling and everything. They're making the movie while it's all happening. And he basically writes a script. It's not quite finished when they go into production, but the pressure's on for him to do it. So they do it anyway. And Hackman gives him hell on on set. And Meyer has an awful time, like, just working with um hackman and just dealing at barishnikov had kind of other ideas of like i think what he wanted from the movie and it ends up going badly which it's interesting because it's a good premise and there's like two really good sequences the best being um, one in a subway tunnel that involves yeah. a spy swap that goes wrong. Yeah, it's Tunnel um, of Spies is the movie, by the way. It like, is that's Tunnel what, of Spies, yeah. and even Meyer. I was reading about it. Meyer himself loves that sequence in the movie, but like laments the existence of the movie as a whole because it just was a tough, you know, unsuccessful uh, scenario. But you know, that's company business. It is on HBO Max as we're recording. So I would, to your point, Connor, I, I would recommend it. Like, yeah. of all these movies we're talking about, and Mitchell, I know you like Class Action a bunch. I I would 
recommend narrow margin the most i really liked narrow margin yeah, i thought it was th- really fun of like the sort of yeah of the uh the tnt like post- sunday afternoon type movies we're talking about here yeah narrow post margin mississippi is burn, yeah. burning pre-unforgiven of these like six movies i recommend narrow margin uh, but I, I would i would say company business is as good as the package like I think, can like, I tell you that every time I hear company business, I think it should be a Randy Newman song. <laughs> company business, it's a company and it's doing some business <laughs> with a dancer who's all a spy. And you were and Gene friend. Hackman's gonna take him in the tunnel. Okay. Um. So Unforgiven comes out in '92. <laughs> he wins his second Oscar this time for supporting actor. Obviously, we know Unforgiven's a masterpiece. He's great in it. The Firm is 93. We talked about briefly. He's great in it. He plays kind of the Tom Cruise's mentor slash semi-villain. Great, great performance. I think it's a great performance. Yeah, um, agreed. Sad, okay. Geronimo, Very sad deeply sad performance, too. Deeply sad performance. Yeah. Geronimo, that same year, Walter Hill movie, kind of underrated. John Milius' script. Um, White Earp, overblown, uh, an overblown <laughs> Kasdan. Uh, he, I think, is Wyderp's father. Yeah, I think so. I believe he plays Wyderp's father in that movie. Erp, Nicholas Erp. Erp. Earl Earp. Earl Earp. Earl Earp. Earl Earp. My bad. 95, great year. The Quick and the Dead, Crimson Tide, and Get Shorty. My wow. God. Crimson like, Tide fucking rules. His, it, it, Crimson Tide's fucking great. Masterpiece, obviously. Nuclear Holocaust. Um, and yeah. fucking... His performance in Get, Get Shorty, Shorty. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is, Could he have done that in, in 1978? No, no two, way. Yeah, two you know point. what I mean? Like, and and we're, so, we're getting Heartbreakers, which is like a yeah, little bit of that. No, you know, but it's, it's like, he's such a like fucking... pathetic, you know, a little he's bit. He's such a fucking great buffoon in Get Shorty. Um, quite, yeah, quite... That movie's great. Good, yeah. And then The Birdcage, obviously, kind of that's kind of down the middle in terms of like what you expect from him, obviously. Sure. That's him. Very much he's a, that's him in like politician man. mode or whatever. You know, that's yeah, the fun yeah. movie. Fun movie. Extreme Measures, uh, which we talked about on the Hugh Grampy side, The Chamber. Um, your brother was in that, Connor, Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> and, and then, yeah, like Absolute Power 97, that's another clint eastwood movie he's the president he's a horrible person right? that, it's like but here's very, the thing like, so i rewatched that dan after you and i talked about it because i have oh did you yeah, yeah, cool. yeah and he's really fucking good in that too because he he finds himself in that pocket of like okay what if this horrible character but also somehow like human and real and like Cause he, yeah, he is like, what if the president was a sociopath? Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, what would um, it be like? But, but, was it? Tell me more about that. But, president if but when he is wrangling sort of the implications of this murder that he's wound himself involved in, he does seem deeply affected by it and like nails like the sniveling angle of it, right? Like, cause on one hand he is like the sociopathic strong arm guy who like, likes to think he's like the toughest person in the room or whatever. But then like when it's fucking Judy, it's Judy Davis, right? And yeah. 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 When it's like Judy Davis and Scott Glenn, like trying to talk him through a thing, he's just this like blubbering, like, what do I do? You know? And it's a really good, it's a really good performance. Good, fun, Um, fun, crazy movie. Absolute power. If you haven't seen it. And then so 
Twilight, kind of an underrated Robert Benton movie, good movie. crime, That's crime a good movie. movie with him and uh, Paul Newman and James Garner. Um, Ants, obviously the best, his best <laughs> performance. We don't need to talk about it. Um, and then M- M- Mitchell, you got to talk for at least two minutes about Under Suspicion. I oh, mean, because you watched it. Sorry. I I begrudgingly watched it. So Under Suspicion for Now people, who directed, real quick. Oh, Stephen Hopkins, who? Decent director. Ghost I mean, of Darkness, very, Blown Away. Very, blown Away, Predator 2. Predator 2. Stephen Hopkins is on like the Mount Rushmore of B-side directors for sure. It's like <laughs> sure. Hopkins, Hyams, Hoblet, and fucking I, oh, Moss, all and, John, and Jonathan Mostow, just to mix <laughs> oh, it up or something. It. Why know? is it Hostow? Uh, <laughs> Hopkins, Hoblet, the Hostow. Three, the three anyway. H's. Uh, anyway. Hyams. <sighs> Go ahead, me. Mitchell. Yeah, so Under Suspicion is um, a very bad movie. <laughs> there you go. Hey, in, you, said, you said it all. Came out in the year 2000, um, and Hackman plays like... I, I don't even know if I could describe the plot of it. It's a fascinating movie where there's like flashbacks. Hackman plays like an attorney who gets brought into the police station by Morgan Freeman, who's like a cop. And he gets questioned basically about this murder of a 12 year old and I, a rape and murder, I think. Oh. And slowly things get revealed of um, there being like serial rapes and murders. Monica Bellucci plays Hackman's wife. She maybe knows some stuff, maybe doesn't know some stuff. And it's like played out. A lot of it is played out through flashbacks of Freeman, Oh, like, Thomas interior, Jane is in it? Thomas Jane is in it. Okay. And Freeman is like walking Hackman through this interrogation and Hackman's basically walking us through like his memories. So like his answers of like where he was and what he was doing. We're like seeing him like walking Hackman th- or walking Freeman through that in the flashbacks. It's a very odd choice in a very odd movie. I don't know how to even describe exactly how bizarre the movie is i was i ended up just kind of live messaging the two of you while i was watching it because (laughs) i could not believe what i was seeing or how bad it was i bought it um without having seen it of course you have to i mean you got as as i am one to do and about 10 minutes in i thought why did why did i do this look feel free to feel free to throw a venom a demo request our way please yeah um, and like 15 15 minutes in i was like i literally could be watching anything else but this right now but i have right. committed it was like two in the morning God I, bless you. I committed and you know i watched the whole thing i don't remember most of it thank god and it just it kind of just keeps getting weird and weird it's one of those movies yeah. where you are just baffled by every single choice i that's was made. I yeah, I watched it many years ago with the excitement of just kind of like yeah, look the B side thing of like oh wait that's there's that's this, the thing I thought it was gonna be like a TNT Hackman late night Freeman. kind of movie yeah yeah like this has to be at least interesting and you kind of do watch it and for a minute you are like oh this is interesting and then once you're in the movie you are a bit like oh wow it, they. No, like this is it just this is just one of those movies where, yeah, even though you have, you know, Bellucci and Jane and, you know, very capable Great actors, you know, based on a it French just, film. Yeah, it just doesn't okay. his two his two kind of French adjacent things <laughs> all night long under suspicion. They're not. Well, really, I well, guess. Uh, and the replacements, well, which I believe was based on a movie called uh, right. Le, Sorry, Le Replacements. 
and <laughs> I, replacement. I, I, yeah. and also I'm forgetting of course that the bird bird cage was a success and of course is based on oh, on, on, a, on a French yeah. and welcome yeah, to so. Mooseport based on the famous French town of Mooseport <laughs> as we all know yeah which I always forget anyway <laughs> now Mitchell not to put it back on you again but since Do you it. wrote the great article about Hackman's 2001 and Heartbreakers is our next B-side maybe just Tell us just about his 2001 and then we can, you know, we can talk about Heartbreakers. Yeah, 2001 for that that piece that I wrote for Pace was a really interesting year for him because it is. And I mean, we'll get to Mooseport, which is kind of like famously, you know, I feel he's one of those actors where people really bemoan the fact that Mooseport was his last movie. Right. And people always want, you know, your one of your favorite actors to go out on a high. And so people are well, like, it's a oh, you know, with the league of extraordinary gentlemen's like, yeah. That. Or yeah. Nicholson, same, Nicholson same with how do you know, um, gets like right. a similar God, kind of thing. I forgot. <laughs> we how, covered how, that how on this show. You, know too, you did. Yeah. I you totally did. forgot. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, I mean, sorry, we found, we found out by the end of that, how we know. Yeah. We um, did learn. I mean, look, we did, we did, did learn how we know. You learn, you do learn. But the, the kind of, idea of the piece was to look at the fact that like three years before Mooseport, he did five movies in 2001 and his performances in all of them are fantastic. And they really hit such a range of different kinds of movies and different kinds of performances. So his five in 2001 are the Mexican heartbreakers heist behind enemy lines and Royal Tenenbaums. And I also wanted to write something for like the anniversary of heist, which is a movie that I, deeply adore we were talking about it i think off mic before yeah. we started recording that i just rewatched he- I mean, it rules it's so good yeah yeah, yeah. Heist, heist is a movie that fucking rules david mamet amazing cast delroy lindo sam rockwell danny devito um rebecca pigeon of delroy course, lindo mamet. and gene hackman have such good chemistry because between oh, heist yeah. and even their their exchanges in get shorty um Right. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, just very good chemistry. Sorry. Go on. Yeah. I, they're they're so great together. And Heartbreakers. Heartbreakers is a movie that I adore. And I didn't think that when I first saw Heartbreakers was when it was kind of one of those Comedy Central movies that was just like always on Comedy Central. Right. And, and like the like mid to late two thousands. So I saw it around that time and didn't think that it was good. But I revisited it a few years back, <clears throat> and I, I mean, I think it's tremendous. The basic idea of it is Sigourney Weaver and Jennifer Love Hewitt are playing mother and daughter con artists, and the movie starts off with kind of like a cold open with them running a con on Ray Liotta, who's phenomenal in the movie. Very good, And yeah. the con on him goes down successfully, and then we kind of learn that Hewitt, as the daughter, is trying to... For a while, she's been wanting to make it out on her own and spread her wings and not be beholden to her mother anymore, running cons with her mother anymore. She wants to go do her own thing. And they're getting ready to split up so that she can go do that. Um, Unfortunately, inconvenient timing, the IRS shows up and is like, hey, you haven't been paying your taxes, right? And so they then have to do one more con together. And they go to Palm Beach to make their, you know, find their next mark who happens to be Gene Hackman in one of the most outrageous performances he's ever given. He plays this 
tobacco magnate who's worth like three billion dollars who is basically on death's bed yeah coughing out the the scene that we're introduced to him he's basically walking outside his huge mansion as they're looking at him and he just starts coughing up a lung collapses onto his knees he's coughing in every single scene there's not a second that he's on screen where he doesn't have a cigar or a cigarette in his mouth and I mean, he's just playing it to the nines and like the, the movie's basically following them trying to pull that con while at the same time, Hewitt gets involved with Jason Lee, who is, you know, in the same area. He owns a bar and she starts getting these romantic feelings for him while also recognizing that or realizing that he's kind of rich in his own way. And so she has that conflict. But the that crux beautiful of it, moment where people were like, maybe Jason Lee is going to be a big star. Th- this <laughs> is the thing, too. I. Um, and I know we're all vanilla sky heads here. And sure, I also, uh, I also watched, um, my partner, Sam had never seen almost famous, which Dan, you know, I love. And, yep. uh, so I introduced Sam to that this morning and I'm like, I'm just really in a Jason Lee mood right now, I guess. Like just by proximity. I mean, it makes sense. Like, honestly, like I, I said that as a joke, but like when, when you like, he, he was, you know, Kevin Smith wanted him to be Fletch, right? Like, right, there's yeah. a lot of things happening at that time. And, and if you watch Vanilla Sky and Almost he's, Famous, and he's and got this, something. And this yeah, movie, sure. he's yeah. charming. He's I mean, a, char- he's a charismatic Jennifer, dude. Charismatic yeah. guy, yeah. not 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 handsome. I mean, him him and him and Jennifer Love you would have good chemistry. You could totally yeah. get it. Like, if the movies he led after this weren't you know stealing yeah. harvard you know then <laughs> did he was he, would, a, was he would, a guy thing was he, he was a guy thing, thing. a guy thing yeah. and stealing he's harvard were kind of the one two the, no thank yous they're like yeah. oh well, i guess he doesn't work i, guess, like, maybe I not. guess not okay 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 my maybe name we don't is do this. earl <laughs> which hey my name is earl big hit maybe, um, maybe you can show. do the uh the chipmunks thing for forever right and he did and he did and he certainly did but yeah, I mean, Heartbreakers is, it's basically like a loose, a very loose remake of like Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, yeah. but sure, that sure, is sure. a lot more successful than the actual, like, what if Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, but women, you know, right. remake that they did oh, the, with the, the Hathaway actual, Hathaway right, and right. Rebel it's Wilson. It's funny, I had totally forgotten about that until you just said that. So I, I wish I wish I could forget, <laughs> but you know, never forget. <laughs> People don't forget. <laughs> it's a hustle. It's a movie that I saw the in theaters hustle. with my mom. Um, but well, then you know what? I mean, that nice at least memory. sounds nice. I mean, even <laughs> even if the movie wasn't good, it yeah. sounds nice. I like going to movies with my mom. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, Heartbreakers is a blast, and I think that it's it's a movie that is ahead of its time in the way that we just get to see two women using their like sexuality in a way that lets them own it and like they deliberately use like their sexuality to manipulate these guys for their money and to pull these cons and it's like fucking good for them you know and like it's it really is just so much fun and hackman especially is just having like the time of his life in here and is like the nastiest character. It's so yeah. gross. So gross. Just it's the fucking... so disgusting. Yeah. But what I mean, what do you I don't actually know what either of you guys think of it. No, so. I like I like Heartbreakers. I, I, I liked I, it quite a bit as well. Yeah. I rewatched yeah. it semi semi recently and I yeah, I was you know, Jennifer Love Hewitt's very good in it, and it's one She's of those so things where it. you go like, "Oh wow!" Like, you know, it, it obviously didn't perform amazingly well, but you you certainly go like, "Man, it's a shame she couldn't have parlayed that in a bigger way yeah. in her There's, career." And, you know, with, who knows what happens? But yeah. I think well, what? Yeah, go ahead, Connor. No, 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 I was just gonna say like the thing you mentioned, Mitchell, about 
not just the movie letting two characters own their sexuality and use it against men. I think there's something to be said that it is also these two specific actors doing that. Yeah. Cause like, not that, I mean, Sigourney Weaver had done it, you know, so that it, she's a little different, obviously, because it's a very successful career, Oscar nominated. You know, so that she had already gotten to explore other avenues in like a very successful career. Um, and I think because this is also right. Is this like right after Galaxy Quest? Yeah, yeah. It's right. like two yeah, years it's after like, Galaxy Quest. I feel like this after. is like right around a time where she was like popping in certain movies, in a, but almost in like a way that sometimes like aging actresses reemerge and they're like, no, no, like I'm still really hot, though. Like, do you know what I mean? Right, like, I, it sure. was like a because Galaxy Quest kind of plays off of that, too, or whatever. This movie obviously does very much, but like for Jennifer Love Hewitt specifically, like it was nice to watch this movie because to your point in like, yeah, she's really good at it, good in it. And it's sort of in a meta way, nice to like see her turn the tables on just being sort of ogled. Right. Or like, you know, whatever, lusted after, because I feel like generally speaking, the things that you saw her in, it was just because she was well, yeah, can't extremely attractive. And just, right. Like, you, you know, know so, yeah. her TV show. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think well, what was the TV show she was in? Ghost Whisperer. No, but before when she was younger, oh, uh, Party of Five, Party of yeah. Five, the Salinger kids. <laughs> <laughs> that was their names. Matthew was it Matthew Fox, Matthew Scott Fox, Wolf, yeah. uh, Nev, Nev. Was it Nev? Is it ne isn't Nev one of them? No, Is she no. Maybe it not. might be a Nev. Yeah, it might be Nev. And then and then Jay Love. And then is it Lacey Chabay? It it is Chabert Chabert Chabert. Chabert. Um. I'm just confirming what right invented here. Party Toaster of Strew. Five. Party of five. What if there were five? The other one of the other oh one movies that in your paste article, Mitchell, you kind of go like, well, is behind enemy lines, which I movie I saw in theaters. A movie that you guys may know is famous because it's one of the highest testing screen testing movies in the history of Hollywood. Um and if you watch the movie, it kind of makes sense. It's like just a very fast-paced action chase scene. Um, and I think it is, in that respect, still kind of fun. Though, yeah, certainly not. Like, in the career of Gene Hackman, you know, Yeah, tier, Behind right? Enemy Lines was a movie that I... Because I saw it in theaters, too. It was one of, like, the first Hackman movies that I remember seeing. And when I was re-watching all five of those for writing that piece. I had this like idea that Behind Enemy Lines was going to be a really fun rewatch, but I ended up just being really kind of bored by it because I think it fits into that like early 2000s specific kind of aesthetic of oh, yeah. these military thrillers that it just like looks very gray, very like monochromatic. Very, very metallic. Yeah, yeah, very yeah, metallic. yeah, metallic. Exactly. That's and even word the for editing, it. they do that thing that the movies would do back then. If you watch like early Jason Statham movies, you'll see this. Like, yeah, they do the they're jump cuts, but they're like the, I, I I call them like stutter cuts because yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. It, mm -hmm. they go like do 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 right. Yeah. Like, so he he's like running, and you're like, wait, what? Wait, wait. Why? Yeah. Are you doing yeah. This? And it's you could like see like you could see the production yeah. company or not the the studio being like, just can we just like uh just like speed it up a little bit more? You know, you're like, yeah. okay, can we just like just I don't know, cut can, can, frames out of it. Yeah. I don't what? I don't know. Yeah. Um, can we just give it a little more 
Yeah, just, give it like a, just, just give it one more like, like okay. Yeah. Can you make it premium? And let me just say um, <laughs> it is that Scott Wolf played Bailey Salinger, Matthew Fox played Charlie Salinger, Nev Campbell played Julia Salinger, Lacey Chabet played Claudia Salinger, and then Paula Devec played Kirsten Bennett Salinger. She was the she was the baby, and J Love Hugh was Scott Wolf's sensitive. On and off girlfriend from high school, sensitive two to six. Jennifer Love. So she wasn't even a Salinger. She was some other. No, she wasn't even one of the five. She was. Yeah, she was. She was in that party of party of one. Party of one. (laughs) Um, I do think you you guys, Dan. You mentioned like her. You know, I think she works in this movie. I do think one of the things that I found a little hard on a rewatch is. I think they have okay chemistry, but the way her character is kind of just presented as it pertains to like through the eyes of Jason Lee. It's it's an interesting there is move. I, I'll say this other than and maybe again, this is to the maybe to the point of the movie and to the point of what we're talking about in terms of the lens on these women, but there is no reason for him to be enamored with her other than the fact that she looks like Jennifer Love Hewitt. Like, yeah, uh, objectively, right. She, she is, is a she is a nightmare. <laughs> she is, yeah, this this person is a like just molt so many red flags. And I guess you like the only thing. And, I, and then again, she's very attractive. So it's not the craziest leap in the world. But you do just have to take the leap of like, cool. So this dude is just really writing all of that just taking off. one hit after the next just like, because oh, no, she's she is, hot though I yeah because she's like super hot <laughs> and again it proves the movie's thesis a little which i am willing to buy i think the one problem there is that like it undermines jason lee as like seemingly the good guy or whatever you know what it was like, like a cop sure good yeah. Guy. yeah like you're yeah. sort of just like oh wait no so he's just also an idiot like yeah. clearly or whatever right, but right, right. but it's I, it's fascinating that ray liotta ends up being the most sane person in the entire movie well that's what who, I, I that's one of the things that, i love about the that's movie. that uh, no exactly he, like, what he's, he's, the voice, he, he's the voice of reason he's the voice yeah. of reason yeah. they bring he, him back and he's your in and he's like yeah. the audience in which right? you yeah. don't which you which, don't which, expect which, yeah which is yeah. insane that Ray Liotta would ever be that, right? Like, just in terms of just that's yeah. not what he does usually, right? Unless it's like yeah, Dominic yeah. and Eugene or something. But, um, so obviously, Royal Tenenbaums, we know it, we love oh, it. Oh, wait, we could I, before we move it. off of Heartbreakers, not, real I, quick, I, we can we can definitely go back to Heartbreakers. I just want to <laughs> make sure we hit Heist, Mexican, Mexican. It's one scene, it's good, but yeah, final Heartbreakers thoughts before we move on to uh, Welcome to Mooseport, Mitchell. Yeah, I was just going to mention that in doing kind of research for this, I found this great Vulture interview that Alana Kaplan did last year with Jennifer Love Hewitt about Heartbreakers. Like, I got it was like an anniversary kind of oh, thing wow. where they, you know, just asked her I'm all these questions about Heartbreakers. And one of the things that got brought up in it was specifically the idea of how much people were talking about her body at the time and how... She speaks about how that was like really disappointing for her because as somebody who was trying to make it as an actor, she would just keep reading all these reviews and just see stuff about her body, her body, her body. And even when she was doing press for any of her movies, she was basically like mentally prepping herself that if she was doing a 40 minute interview, 30 minutes of it were going to be about like her boobs. And she just like 
was being so exhausted by that, but that now she looks back on it and almost regrets not like being more vocal about that frustration at the time sure. and wishing that she had, you know, said something. And obviously it was such a different time that, you know, women were conditioned like not to say anything about that. And that was just kind of, you know, the way things were, quote unquote. And now there is more of like a platform to be able to speak like that and have your voice be heard. But I just thought that it was a really interesting um, I mean, the the interview in general is really great because she also gets to talk about how just how fun the movie was and how great working with Sigourney was. And the fact that when they do, there's one little bit where Sigourney trips her and it's like a little pratfall in the movie. That's so good. She trips yeah. her. And <laughs> Hewitt apparently broke several fingers doing that oh. because she just like, like Weaver, wow. like Weaver did it right, but she just didn't practice like the breaking her fall well enough. And so she like broke several fingers doing it. And I mean, it's just, I would definitely recommend anybody checking out that interview for both the thing that Connor was talking about, about her body and how, you know, her body was spoken about so publicly around that time. And then also just her experience working on the movie. It's a really fun interview. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now and it is, it is very, there's a lot of good stuff in here. Yeah, well, obviously definitely link to this as well. That's a great call out. Um, Connor, Heartbreaker's final thoughts. What do you think? I'll just, I'll close on the Hackman of it all. Um, you know, he is definitely, I think, the the most supporting of all the people we're kind of talking about. Like, it's really like, it's four leads and Hewitt and Weaver and uh, Leota and Lee. And then Hackman is kind of the, just sort of the, you know, whatever, the, the mark or whatever. Um, but it is... Again, in you know, whatever, true to form, like he just isn't um, he's doing everything that's required of him and he's doing it really, really well. It is just it's like if Mr. Magoo was <laughs> black lung, like it's just he's just like uh, the he's just the fucking worst. But um, but it's very. Yeah, I don't know. It's just a perfect combination of, I think, a bunch of things. I think. uh Whoever the makeup department was in this movie, at least as a particular his eyebrows, yeah, his eyebrows, his like the rosiness on his nose, just like the like the sunburnt rosiness yeah. on his nose and his cheeks and the liver spots and just <laughs> all of that, um, his teeth, just all of it. It's so perfect. Um, and it feel I mean, I again, you know, with what we're talking about, with how he um you know what wh how he makes things terrible for certain people or whatever i don't it seems like he's having fun here like yeah so and and i feel like when that comes through especially with an actor like him who might come across as grumpy or something like that when it seems like they're having fun it's like contagious yeah. so yeah same year as real tenant moms where he was notoriously a pretty big dick on that set, helps so. the movie though Helps, helps, helps the movie. This is, um, helps the I'm movie. Looking, I'm looking at that. <laughs> Not that to profile. justify it or whatever. I'm just saying it. it but, you you know. can say it. Wes, Wes, it, you kind of deserved it. It, it was, you know. It, it just it just doesn't derail the movie, you know. Um, yeah. I like this quote from that profile I was referencing earlier, Hollywood's Uncommon Everyman from 89. Um, uh, Hackman says, if you look at yourself as a star, you've already lost something in the portrayal of any human being. I need to keep myself on the edge and keep as pure as possible. You need something to bring you down to a sense of who you are and who you're portraying. You need to remember you're not a movie star and that you shouldn't be too happy. You should never take anything for granted. Mm. Hey, Jeannie, Jean, <laughs> speaking the truth. Um, 
So yeah, Royal Tenenbaums, obviously kind of his last like acclaimed role in terms of kind of critical mass and awards and whatnot. Or the kind uh, of role, like you said, Mitchell, the kind of role that you, you, you know, you maybe wish. Uh, like he has sure. not made Runaway Jury and Welcome to Mooseport. People be like, wow, he ended with Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah. Right. yeah. You know, but look, Runaway Jury, um, it's not a movie that's remembered really. Um, kind of fun though. But it's a good movie, I think. Kind yeah. of fun. And it yeah. features the only Hackman Hoffman scene, former roommates. Yeah, Gene but, yeah, we did. Yeah, they, they, they like came up together. <laughs> it's a good scene. Yeah, and it's, yeah they yeah. came up together and they never made a movie together. It's their and heat. This, it's their heat. They scene. have a little heat yeah. scene in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Um, Very good. That was, I think, kind of a, a last minute add on. And and I think yeah, it works. Yeah, I mean, they were like, wait, we got both of these guys and we don't have them yeah, in the we scene should, together. Yeah. We got to yeah. write something. Yeah. Who do you think yeah, was one think on the call works. sheet that day? I would say it was Gene Hackman. Not Hackman, ha- You don't think probably. Hoffman was one? I think it's a good question. I know. No, I that's why I'm asking it. It's actually a conundrum. <laughs> I mean, my, I defaulted to Hackman, but yeah. I don't, it is a good do question. You think they gave really Dustin, question, do you think they gave actually. Dustin a call sheet where he was one? And do you think oh they gave Hackman no. a call sheet? Because no, you can't do that, I don't think, because, well, I guess on the call sheet, maybe it's just you could do their that, call it sheet. Is, you know what I mean? It is kind of interesting to me because, like, you know, famously people know that Hackman and Hoffman like lived to get shared in an apartment when they yeah. first moved to New York and yeah went to Pasadena Playhouse with, together and with all Robert that Duvall stuff. I believe too. Robert Duvall yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah they were kind of like trading off like pairings of apartments together the three of them and Hackman you know as we've been saying somebody notorious for not getting along very well Hoffman maybe even more notorious for oh, not yeah. getting along <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and so the idea of like that's the two of them like sharing an apartment together oh I know that's <laughs> like, insane yeah it's, it's so like Eugene I think you used my loofah Gene I just I just just it's your it's your loofah now okay um so his final movie is Welcome to Mooseport directed by right Donald <laughs> directed by Donald Petrie, who's kind of like a journeyman. He's done a million things. Like he directed Mystic Pizza. He directed Grumpy Old Men. He directed Richie Rich. He directed Miss Congeniality, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. You know, he's like one of these guys. Um, and yeah, I don't, you know, welcome to Mooseport. Uh, welcome. Connor, <laughs> yeah, tell us about it. welcome to Mooseport. Right. <laughs> do it. I deserve it. Okay. Um, so basically welcome to mooseport it uh it's gene hackman and uh raymond let me check my notes here raymond romano I'm seeing here ray romano. Ray, raymond <laughs> yeah. romano uh, i think you got that right. I, yeah. is this is this can i ask and i can actually look it up as i ask is this after or during it was like right before raymond was ending okay it's yeah. his okay. first okay. like live okay. action okay. film role i read an interview yeah. where they were basically talking all about him like transitioning into doing movies and talking about like the end of raymond and everything and they were like you're gonna be adam sandler now <laughs> for two decades and look <laughs> and i mean not, you're gonna look, make it ray romano's a great actor so let's great uh, actor up front the but. big sick the very big he's six. very good. Yeah, he's, I forgot about that. He's very yeah. good in that. Yeah, um, he was, no, he, he was he's good. good. What's in... the um, vinyl? The HBO show. Yeah, vinyl. Vinyl. It's, not a good, it's not a good show, but he was really and good. Is, in it. Isn't he in the show Get Shorty? Yeah, yeah. I yeah, believe he was in the show Get yeah. Shorty. Anyway, yeah. um, but basically, so 
uh, Ray Romano plays Mooseport local. Mooseport is a fictional town. <laughs> Ray Romano Maine. plays Mooseport. Yeah, as we all know. his name's John Mooseport. Um, no, no, no. I mean, he, his he, name's he, not much better. Yeah, no, it's, not, it's not much better. Both of his names. His name is Harold Hand. Harold quotes Handy Harrison. Um, so his name, okay, Harold Harrison. So his name is Harry Harry. Yeah, well, well, okay, Hal, what? Hal Harrison, what, whatever. Um, handy though, handy. handy. Yeah, they Harrison. call him handy. Well, because he has a hardware store, he's handy. He's and handy. he's, you know, he's like the town handyman, whatever. Sure. Yeah, um, I mean, I'll go with it. I'm just saying. Yeah, he's a Mooseport, uh, Mooseport native, and he is in a relationship with the ever wonderful oh, Morrissey. So just, charming in this movie. In, the, in this movie and in everything. All, and let me just say, I watched this just, with Kelly. Obviously, we're me and Kelly are watching this. And the minute, and and Kelly doesn't even know like more tyranny to know her name, but like she knows more tyranny. Right, right. right? You see this, yeah. So yeah. it's on. We're watching it. The minute more is on screen, Kelly's like, "Oh, I love her." And I'm yeah, like, "Yes, because she's the fucking yeah. best." Just the kind yeah, of we person that America like, loves her. Yeah, yes. like the kind of person that you would battle the president in a golf tournament for to try and indeed, win the rights. The, to her. Honestly, the most believable part of this movie. The most unbelievable part of this movie <laughs> is that the two of them have been together for six years as of the start of the movie, and Ray Romano has uh, much to. Maura Tierney's consternation has not proposed no, marriage. The most unbelievable part of the movie is that Gene Hackman's <laughs> just not getting with Marsha Gay Harden well, well, immediately. Well, hang on, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Come so, on, anyway, Marsha's so, just sitting there. Yeah, yeah. No. Shameful. <laughs> um, Shameful. So, cue Gene Hackman, who is a divorcee president. He's in the middle of what seems to be an extremely expensive divorce uh, with Christine Baranski, um, yeah. who um, they were in. What were they in together? They were in the birdcage birdcage. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Um, and basically he is now going to their summer home in Mooseport as a means of like permanently living there or whatever. And yeah, the, setting up permanent residence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the he's got all these other things going on. You know, he's it, seemingly what an outgoing president would would have. Right. He's he's been basically a one would you know, one would have it a, a legendary president. Very like crazy approval we are, we are told multiple times the most popular president in history yeah, in history they right? say 80 percent approval rating which i would i would say the only time in my memory that's happened is like george bush post post 9 11 9 11 for right. a moment yeah, there yeah. i think had approval ratings that were incredibly high so it's imagine like, that 9 11 <laughs> i mean we, we were all we were all on board for bush uh, then anyway yeah but um but yes, Monroe Eagle Cole. Yeah, yes. Eagle they Cole. both have nicknames. It's Handy and the Eagle, basically. So, <laughs> the Eagle. Um, so that this should be movie. that should be the name of this uh, fucking kinda movie. Um, kind of cute though. Kind of cute. Anyway, movie. so good movie. So, kind of a good so, movie. So, 
It's kind of a Frank Capra movie with two O's. Movie with two O's. It's a movie. Welcome to Frank Frank Capra in his grave. This isn't what I meant. No, that's yeah. No, that's that's a really great reference. Just because that's what this movie clearly is trying. Oh, it's yeah. I mean, obviously, it's it's some version. It's some version of a Capra movie and a Preston Sturgis movie and a you know and not as good as any of them. Um, well, but I, I come on, Mitchell. <laughs> Look, I think it's okay to give this movie a little bit of a fair shake, but it is anyway. I I'll just quick I'll get to the actual plot of the movie. So you that's all your setup, whatever. Uh, in tow with Gene Hackman is as Dan mentioned, Marsha Gay Harden, who is his chief of staff. Um, and Fred Savage, funny. Oh yeah, he's uh, yeah he's very good. And, the scenes with him are good. Yeah. And Stay in the corner of the room. Don't let me see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> out of my eyes. Out of my eyes. <laughs> <out of my, laughs> it's um, pretty good. And basically, Marsha Gay Harden, it's not so subtle, but she has had longstanding feelings for Gene Hackman. She's worked for him for like 15 years, something like that. So Gene Hackman gets roped into by the local town officials gets roped into being their next mayor. And it mm. seems like it's going to be a default thing because nobody else is running. So they're literally just making him mayor, right? And unbeknownst to them, because nobody had sort of put their hat in the ring to be mayor, Ray Romano, it is revealed, has put his hat in the ring thinking it's whatever, it's a courtesy thing and whatever. So now Gene Hackman is going to have to run against Ray Romano in this run for mayor. And at the same time, Gene, Gene Hackman ha- is flirting yeah, with he, Ray he Romano's takes, girlfriend. He takes Mort a Tierney. shine to Maura Tierney. And how Mort, could you not? Yeah, how could you not? Makes perfect sense. Yeah. He is a human. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> he's so, got, he's got blood running through his veins. <laughs> yeah, he's a, so yes, he likes Maura yeah, Tierney. Yeah, indeed. Um, so anyway, so... Basically, the two of them have to square off in an election. What what shenanigans ensue, what shenanigans you think would ensue, ensue. And part of it, on top of all, it is just them vying for more, more tyranny's affection, basically. Meanwhile, more tyranny and Marsha Gay Harden are sort of watching this happen. And uh, Marsha Gay Harden is sort of not so subtly trying to kind of sabotage the whole thing and that's ba- i mean that's the movie that's that's essentially the the whole crux of the movie and um it's welcoming it's mooseport seems very friendly um yeah, yeah I, I think a, a, wor- a word that comes to mind is you know harmless yes agreed uh, i i think you know, this i think kind, this yeah i think masterpiece this- <laughs> masterpiece oscar winner um, i do think this movie is basically <laughs> harmless i was expecting now this was director's fortnight right or i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> i was um i was expecting to dislike this movie it i i i, well, I, I was yeah, about to and say I think, I, I i think it's basically okay like and it, no, and this is the yeah. thing. I think this is what's funny about the way film culture and I guess pop culture can work. Where like yeah. the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, right, has this very bad reputation because it lost money, it wasn't very good, and Sean Con- Sean Connery had such a bad experience on that set with the production, including director Stephen Norrington. He literally was like, "You I'm know done. what? Yeah. I'm too old for this shit." I'm out of here. That is a thing that's basically, I think, 
pretty documented and true. So like, I think people think of Mooseport in the same way. And I don't actually think that's true unless I have missed something. I just think like Gene Hackman made a comedy with Ray Romano it didn't do well, but he also was just older, and that was he just the last movie. I don't know that he hated being there. I think it just so happened to coincide. Yeah, coincide with him being like, yeah, maybe I'm done. Like, yeah. and, I think, and maybe I'll write novels movies, in my retirement. You know, well, like, yeah, yeah, which we'll talk about. I think, I think, I think this is one of these. You know, the title doesn't help, right? Yeah, it's, it's a, a movie called yeah. Welcome sure, to Newport, yeah, yeah. and it's just the Ray Romano like, of it all. The Ray Romano doesn't help, right? If it's mm-hmm. Adam Sandler, like we, me and Kelly were, I think it was me and Kelly, maybe it was me and you, Connor. We were just yeah. saying like, if Adam Sandler's in this movie, it's like it probably <laughs> is a hit. Doesn't right? am I? And like, I don't. I'm not trying to be mean. Jason to, Lee. Sure. Ooh. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to be. I'd see it. I'm I'd not trying it. to be mean to anybody here, but like. Stealing Does, Mooseport? Doesn't it seem doesn't it seem like Ray <laughs> Romano and Maura Tierney are like too old for yes. him not proposing being the problem? That's a huge thing. Yeah, there's yeah, a, yeah. It's and, and it's a little, I was very confused because there's a moment where because she's a vet, right? And she is there. Are these there's this pup there. There's this dog that is delivering puppies in the beginning of the movie, and that's how they introduce she's a vet. And Ray so comes weird. Ray's there when it happens or whatever, and he's like holding a puppy. And uh, he's like, hey, by the way, I think I'm ready. And what he's talking about is like <laughs> buying a truck. And she thinks he's talking about marriage. Right. What I thought yeah. he was talking about was having, having a, a baby. Like, right. I just that's thought what they I, were. Yeah, you would yeah. think. Yeah, and, exactly. Just, and again, you're given seeing their the dog age, like giving they just, birth. Yeah, they just seem they just seem like a couple who were like already yeah. married and maybe haven't taken that next step yet or whatever. It is so that confusing. I thought, that I thought was very confusing. And I'd be curious to know if, you know, a Ray Romano and a Maura Tierney are like, you know, three and four on the respective lists of who you're like trying to slot in opposite Gene right. Hackman. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. and again, I'm not really, I'm not trying, trying to put them down. It, right? It's just like, there does feel to be like a disconnect between what's in the script and, you know, the people on screen. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's Mooseport. I mean, Mitchell, it's, what it's for fun. you worked worked really well about Mooseport? I'm just having a good time, you know? Yeah, honestly, I mean, I get it. <laughs> I didn't. I, 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 I get that. I, I honestly that. get it. Yeah, I think. It's pleasant. It's a pleasant enough it's, movie. It's a pleasant yeah. movie. And I think, I mean, especially as, you know, I mean, we're all around the same age. And I feel like there is, like, this time period, like, my letterbox review for it basically just said, like, this is a movie that for so many reasons could only be made at this exact it, time yes, period. A hundred percent. Very true. Yeah, very true. There is some kind of like nostalgia or something, some kind of novelty, maybe would be the better word for me of watching a movie like that. I mean, I'm pretty sure I saw it in theaters, but I just didn't remember it at all. But there's something unique about a movie from like this time period that could only exist at this time period that I found quaint in a very pleasant kind of way and under and like unpretentious like yeah, in yeah, terms exactly. of what it's dealing There's with because really it's no, not yeah it's not the campaign right yeah where like right, it, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. really trying to lean and, and and frankly like that's a movie that there are jokes in that movie i dig and i think there are parts of that movie that are funny but like generally it's a little speaking, bit better than you would think that yeah that that's that's when you get into the kind of and i know he didn't make the movie but that's when you get into like the adam mckay of it all kind of like right where yeah. it's like starting to really be like yeah no but this is like a good satire where like 
Mooseport is like, yeah, I guess we're a political satire, but it's just kind of a move. Like, it's just kind of a comedy, like a farce or whatever. Like, yeah. Well, and, it remind, know, yeah. And, it, and, and it reminds me of what, uh, of that famous Rene Descartes quote. <laughs> Everybody loves Raymond. <laughs> Everybody, lo- everybody loves Raymond. You know from. Uh, you know when Raymond. Oh. oh, that's not even that funny. I don't know why. I'm uh, you know from his famous uh, treatise. You know, Descartes talked about. That's it. How everybody loves oh, Raymond. So when you consider, it follows through. It follows when you through. Cons- when you consider uh, that. That everybody loves Raymond. I think you really do come to find. Well, that, that's like, Dan. That's what happens when you put Descartes before the horse. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, God done. Damn it. well done. And goodbye. Uh, I was it. really goodbye, trying everybody. to rack, <laughs> I was trying to really rack my brain of like, who's the most random yeah. like <laughs> fucking writer? I could, Voltaire. Fucking out of Voltaire. Yeah. Shit, Voltaire would have been good. Um, but yeah, no, I think we're all in agreement. I think mean, basically, like, you get. Like and even like stuff like when they have the debate, right? And that's like, to your point, Connor. The most kind of satire, not even it's you, you could barely call it a commentary. No. You're gonna yeah. get is like they have this debate about like obviously on the local issues of Mooseport, and they ask a question for both, you know, for uh, Handy and Eagle, right? And it's like. <laughs> The former president, and obviously Handy lives here, and the former president's kind of just moved back, what have you. And it's like, what do I do about this specific thing? And Monroe Cole, uh, Gene Hackman is like, I'd get a committee together. I do this. I do this. We, you know, we I, I, I go through all the steps necessary. And then they ask Ray Romano, and he literally just says to the neighbor, he's like, Hey, <laughs> what if we just did this? Like, would that just solve the problem? Yeah. And, yeah. and she's like, Oh yeah, that would. And it's like, <laughs> great. And he to solved be fair, the, the, sol- the thing that's solving good... the problem is also like she's like, the "There's lights solution. coming in through my window," and he's like, "Well, what if you got shades?" Black she's like, and... "She's like, oh right," and it's like, "Yeah, you fucking idiot!" Like, I don't think. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't think... <laughs> like, yeah, you old bat. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, it's not even honestly. Yeah, what a edit. Sorry. Yeah. Were you from Geeseport? This is Mooseport. This is Mooseport, not Geeseport. We have real problems here. Uh, yeah, yeah, why don't you go read Descartes? Um, <laughs> but anyway, so there's yeah, just fun I mean, stuff, you know. Ray Romano, he has stuff. a he has a dog named Plunger. What? How could you not like that? Sure, he certainly does. How could you not like that? I I do like. I mean, this was in the trailer, uh, and it reminded me watching the movie when that whole opening scene happens, where Mortierney thinks he's going to propose, and it's about the truck. She, she just immediately turns to the assistant slash friend and is like, false alarm, false yeah, alarm. Right. She like yeah. comes back in yeah. the room. It's pretty fun. Which you would think, I mean, how does he not recognize that? I know. She says it right in front of handy. So, so I do dumb. love, I do love the little bit where like he's going on the, Gene Hackman's going on the date with Maura Tierney. The underwear and, God, stuff. now that I'm saying, like, do I like fucking Welcome to Mooseport? I guess <laughs> let's I go, do. Let's go. Shit. Let's get that rating <laughs> fucking, up. <laughs> fucking Mooseport high, you baby. Bump up those stats. Let's those fucking do numbers. it. You heard me say it. Um, let's rank them. One, Welcome to Mooseport. <laughs> two, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Deeds Goes to Washington. Three, <laughs> it's Mr. a wonderful life. <laughs> I love you said, I love you said, Mr. Deeds Goes to Washington. Uh, I believe it's 
Mr. Deeds goes to town. Mr. Smith yeah, goes to Washington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Mr. Smith goes to Washington. The Misters are going to different places, for they sure. They are. I'm, um, just, I'm in a Deeds no, head but zone here's right the thing. now. Why is this your deeds movie... And your Deeds and ours. Why is this movie not called fucking Mr. Whoever Goes to Mooseport? Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. that, sell the title eagle, that way. The Eagle Goes to Mooseport. Yeah, whatever. The, yeah, the, the Eagle lands in Mooseport. Whatever. We did it. We did it. We just figured it out. Should we Should we call Ray? Just... Ray, we cracked it. We it's cracked been 20 it. years. Should we just call Gene's him? Gene's still hey. alive. We could do it. We um, we love you. So Gene is still alive. We yeah. yeah. True. Um. So sneak it. <laughs> no, but that scene where Gene goes on the date with more tyranny and it's at like the local steakhouse or whatever, and Marsha Gay Harden is trying to help Gene Hackman and like coach it, being like, okay, like she's a veterinarian, so like don't order any meat like whatever like yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and he's like trying to fucking work around it he's like oh i'll have a baked potato uh with bacon bits a uh, veggie bacon bits that's like whatever but the punchline <laughs> of the whole joke is that it gets to her order she's like i'll have the t-bone and yeah. like you know and a side about yeah. potatoes and then she just because she's fucking charming as hell just goes oh sometimes you feel like a steak <laughs> and it's like so you're just good. like more more uh every more, single uh, scene she's doing great yeah. and there is you know, interestingly, the the scene where after the date they go back, um, Gene Hackman brings her back to her place, and he goes in for the kiss, and she she shoots him down, and then they play like the news footage of that the next day, yeah, yeah. where they do a play by play kind of thing of her doing it. So the second time tonight with the replacements that we get a play by play romantic encounter. You yeah. are right. <laughs> oh man, kind, so, kind of a fun scene though. Kind of kind a fun, of a fun scene. Moment. So now Mitchell, me and you were talking um about oh in your private chat okay about how um so he obviously after mooseport he has not made a movie since right but gene hackman does write he writes novels right so he's written he's written or co-written five novels right him and daniel lenaham wrote wake of the perdido star in 1999 they wrote Justice for None in 2004. They wrote Escape from Andersonville, a novel of the Civil War from 08. Payback at Morning Peak uh, came out in 2011, and that is credited to only Gene Hackman. And then in 2013, nearly 10 years ago, his most recent novel, a crime novel called Pursuit. Now, Mitchell, I know you and I read some of Pursuit. I read about a third of it. But what was the one that you ended up reading all of uh, the other one? I so I yeah I read all of Payback and Morning Creek. Oh I picked cool. Up, okay. I picked up the two that were solo written by him. I didn't check out. I know the the three that he wrote with Daniel Lennon. Yeah, Lennon are all hack. like. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I said I said fuck that guy. <laughs> it's not yeah, just Gene. I'm not interested in this. I know. Yeah. I think those are all like historical fiction kind of pieces. I think one of them gets into like. Um, like deep sea diving because i know hackman and his wife got really into deep sea diving after he like retired uh, what, or like after at, the before firm he was retired. or like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just really really into that diving game yeah. but yeah dive, so I, you can't dive and fly within within 24 hours <laughs> so crucial bit up, of uh crucial <laughs> bit of information there anyway no, sorry, it, go ahead. it's probably I mean, it's probably in the book honestly you know, if you if you pick up the book, you probably know that. <laughs> and yeah, the the two. So I, yeah, I picked up the two that um, were solo written by him. I made it through about probably a little bit less of pursuit than you did. 
Um, and you know, you could talk about that a little bit too, but for me, it just like, wasn't, that was the first one that I tried to read and it just really wasn't grabbing me. It's like, um, it's yeah. Like a cop thriller about, uh, I think her name's Julie or Juliet is Julie Worth. Yeah, Julie Worth. Julie and it's basically Worth. like she, um, there's an incident at the beginning of the book that's actually pretty well written like the opening incident that puts her yeah uh, she she gets injured right and then as she she gets basically a desk assignment and in her in you know the laboriousness of her desk assignment she like uncovers these cold cases that connect and they they are leading to a serial killer who is still at large meanwhile that serial killer is like planning his next attack and when he realizes she's hot on his trail things get crazy and i will say it i'm like 120 pages in it does the, the, the things take a turn at page 100 that was interesting to me and i was definitely like oh that's intriguing and i might finish it which i didn't think i was going to do my my prevailing thought ahead of that narrative turn was i don't and i do this is just a personal thing i don't like books where there are like chapters devoted to like the killer preparing right yeah to yeah, kill yeah. and yeah. like the psychology of that and i've never read thomas harris so like i don't i can't speak to the lecture novels you know but like i've read other books by other authors where there's a lot a lot of the book is like I got the tape and I got the weapon and I got the, <laughs> right, I yeah. got the bag and I, I want to make sure when I stalk her, I stalk her from 20 feet away. And honestly, that stuff's just off-putting for me. Like I have trouble reading it. It freaks me out. I don't like it. Yeah. It puts me in a weird mindset. Like I'm just like, no, no, no. I don't even want to know. Like don't, I don't want to like know about this. Like <laughs> so to be in that that's kind of how I felt about it. I think he writes fine. I mean, you can speak more to it yeah. with the other book, but. He's, cer he's certainly a decent writer as far as like, just like prose and style and everything goes. For me, for Pursuit, I got like probably about 80 pages in and it was one of those things where like I got that far in and I was kind of just like, I know what this is. You know, yeah, like, sure, 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 sure. And yeah. like, just didn't feel but like the I other to... one. Did the other one work for you, or yeah, that one ended up working a lot better for me. Payback at Morning Creek is like a western. It basically, I mean, it's kind of a simple setup. It's about this young guy named Jubal Young, I think is his last name. Um, and he basically like comes home one day and finds that his entire family's been massacred by this like gang, uh, like an outlaw gang. And then it's basically just like a revenge tale of him setting out to try and get revenge for, for his family. But it, I think especially knowing like we didn't get too much into like Gene Hackman's past with his family and everything, but he has like a really complicated past with his family. His dad, was abusive and left his family when Gene Hackman was like 13. There's this really in his um Inside the Actor Studio episode. I know there's a clip of it that you can find on YouTube. I watched the whole Inside the Actor Studio on uh, Daily Motion. Um has like the full oh, cool. episode on there. Um and there's this one moment in it where James Lipton's asking him about his father leaving when he was 13 and kind of the how that leaving happened and gene hackman mentions that he was like down the street playing with some of his friends and his dad just drove by and just like waved him goodbye like he and that was Oof, you know brutal. he had no idea that his dad was Jesus. leaving or anything Oof. and it's i mean yeah it's it's rough to see him tell it and he he literally like starts tearing up like you can tell 
just talking about it still is so affecting for him. And he, he like shrugs it off and kind of laughs and like smiles a little bit and is like, you know, still not over it after 65 years kind of thing and like laughs a little bit. But it's like, yeah, how do you get over that? Yeah, you, know? it's, you could never get over something like that. Unreal. And so like and then his his mom. So it was his mom basically raising him, you know, his mom and his grandmother. And then when he was when Gene was like 32, I think, like early 30s, his mom died because she fell asleep with a cigarette and just burned, you know, her her home down and just died in this fire. And so it's like he's somebody who just has a lot of trauma around his parents and having that knowledge in my head while reading this book about a young guy who is grappling with the deaths of his parents and like kind of the descriptions of his parents and all of that. I found it very affecting and ultimately it is kind of a simple story. Um, And, you know, plenty of other people could write something like this, but I think having that knowledge of him and you really feel his heart put in there and it's very like it's a very elegaic kind of novel you spend a lot of time just in that character's perspective and in his headspace and yeah i mean i think it's for me at least it was a lot more compelling than uh pursuit was Dan's just sitting here. Yeah. Dan's just like, geez, I read the wrong novel. <laughs> no, well, no, certainly. I, I mean, yeah, Dan, Dan and I were talking about Pursuit and how we both kind of gave up on it. And I was like, I mean, maybe I'll I'll read the other one. Like, I bought the both. And Dan was like, you don't need to do that. And I picked it up a couple of days ago just to, you know, give it a shot. And yeah, I, I mean, I finished it in a couple of days. And yeah, That's awesome. definitely. Yeah, maybe, it got I'll, me a lot maybe I'll do that. I, yeah. I think it's worth worth a good. Worth but it's a read nice. For I mean, sure. look. I mean, that's what's look. That's you know, a lot of a lot of actors uh, have musical pursuits, right? Because mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, these are artists. So, yeah. like many artists, we all love you know, Bruno. It's like, hey, Aww, the return of Bru- yeah. the return of Bruno. Yeah. Oh, Bruno. he's back. Um, yeah. but um, we all love we, Joe Pesci's we music. Have, we, we haven't done a Bruce Willis piece that, have we? No, that'll be. I one. was I was even going to suggest to you guys recently so, that we should do a Bruce like Willis song. Like so a pivot funny, to Bruce. funny thing yeah. that I'll that I'll reveal here: uh, we didn't do a Bruce Willis B side because I copied and pasted the wrong thing into our audience choice poll uh, <laughs> at the end of last year. <laughs> Cause I had like, I had like selects for who I was going to put in each poll. And then I had like their alternates and I accidentally copied and pasted Nicholas Cage's name in that oh, wow. poll and Cage won that poll. So who knows yeah, how that would have gone. But, hey, that great episode uh, with, with our dear friend Corey. Yeah, Everton, it was a great so. episode. Yeah, great, it was just, great episode. It's just funny because it's, it's one of those things where like I did it. I wasn't even thinking I sent out yeah. the tweet. And then I was like, oh, wait, that's not what I meant to do. And then I was just like, well, okay. like." Yeah. Although Bruce, I mean, Bruce probably would be a better episode now since the, the retirement and oh, everything sure. happened yeah, yeah. in between then. Yeah, so you kind of we'll, have yeah, we'll, a little bit more of a different angle on there. That'll be on the horizon for sure. And he's one of those guys. I mean, you know, not unlike, I mean, Hackman's like this too. You could do like three B-sides. So yeah. many B-sides, yeah. yeah. You know, because even, yeah, I mean, look, with Hackman, I kind of, as we wrap up here, like, you know, this is a guy who... I mean, he worked, you sure. know, like, you know, and obviously he's still with us, but, you know, as an actor, he worked. I mean, he made so many movies and, you know, even the last, you know, 
three God, decades. Really? Yeah, we just look at it yeah. Like, I mean, looking at I mean, that, we that 2001, I mean, yeah. that 2001 period, he does five movies in one year. But even, right? but, but even if you go to like, his, I mean, I feel like the Wikipedia is a good vantage point for it because you're just seeing all the ones <laughs> you're he, scrolling. Well, scrolling, well, you scrolling. just see all the ones he had in multiple, like multiple movies he had in the same year. You know, where you're yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. holy shit, like just. Like so. 71, 72, three movies that like each year, like 74, three movies, seven, yeah, yeah you know, four anyway. and 75. Yeah. 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 Cra- crazy. No, crazy. obviously like we're talking about kind of, you know, what, what are the, what are the best Hackman performances? I mean, it's, uh, I'd be hard pressed to recommend any uh performance other than his performance in the conversation Agreed. i just yeah. you know it's, I, I, it's, it's a, hard to you know obviously the french connection is amazing mississippi burning he's great and i think that movie's aged uh a bit toughly but like it's a good performance it's a good performance, it's a good performance. Every, everybody's good in it yeah it's just yeah, yeah the... um yeah i think you know it's a great performance and i never sang for your father but yeah i i i would say the conversation first, and then I would probably, I would probably skew to to a later performance, kind of for the reasons I was talking about. I would probably go to like, honestly, I'd probably do something like Get Shorty. Um, oh, or you're, you're going, you're going that much later. Okay, I thought you were going to say Eureka. Eureka uh, would be up there too. I would say Get Shorty's amazing, Unforgiven's amazing. Eureka is a great point. I would; those are like three solid recommends. Sure, eighties, uh, nineties, what what have you? Yeah. What about I, you guys? I was gonna say. So I started off uh, my rewatch, like the prep for this. I was like, I, let me start with the conversation because that's the pinnacle for like the conversation is one of the greatest performances that's ever been put on screen by an actor. So whatever, you know, just yeah, <laughs> agree. Whatever. whatever. Just put that aside. <laughs> put it, you know, I don't know. It almost doesn't count because it's too good. Um and one of the other first movies I watched, I didn't watch Lilith because I knew Dan you were going to talk about it because you were prepping. Yeah, and he's for not the... he's in like a scene. Yeah. So not, I didn't yeah. watch I didn't watch Lilith, but I did watch Hawaii. Right. Um, which is a film from 66 directed by George Roy Hill. It's like basically an epic about the first missionaries in, or not the first missionaries, but missionaries in Hawaii. Um, and it, that movie, he doesn't, he's like fourth build in it. Um, and it's Julie Andrews, Max von Sydow, Richard Harris. They're kind of the three leads. It's kind of, there's kind of like a love triangle thing going on there. But Hackman plays Max von Sydow's like, you know, kind of buddy who's sent over there because of the mission. And he's a doctor. And he so he kind of pops in and out of the movie. But it's a wonderful performance because he is like von Sydow's von Sydow's kind of this like Bible beating tyrant type dude. And uh, Hackman's kind of his voice of reason, basically that kind of comes in and out and it is a very quiet um gentle performance by Gene Hackman which I thought was really cool. I would recommend the movie. It's not it's not like incredible, but I will say when you read like what it's about, you're probably going to be like, "Ooh," but then when you watch it, you're like, "Oh, this is like way more nuanced and deft at how it handles all of its different angles of its subject matter." So 
it's kind of it's very long it's like three hours long um so you know there's that but i i would (laughs) i would recommend somebody check that out and other than that i would say um we mentioned uh under fire which I was chatting with with you both as I was watching it and I was like, yeah, whatever, this movie's okay. And then like as I was watching it, I like kept like adding stars on my letter. But, you know, like I was just like, oh, no, it's like really good. And uh, Hackman is really great. I mind the log line I gave you two was I what did I say? It was it's the year of living dangerously meets broadcast news. Basically, right. Yeah. Is, is, is that movie. And uh, Hackman's very good. What about company business? I lo- look, I like company business. I yeah, think it's, it's good. Fun. I think again, even if he's phoning it in, he's he's pretty good. I think you know Nicholas Meyer has a good handle on some of the some of the fun sequences in it. Um, I think Barishnikov is not amazingly well cast, but I do think he and Hackman they have a weird good chemistry. Yeah, I think they have surprisingly okay chemistry. Although I feel like it should probably be another actor. Mitchell, what say you? Yeah, I mean, I think. I, the conversation is the obvious one. I think on any given day, I might say that Gene Hackman's performance in the conversation is the greatest performance of all time, like my favorite performance of all time. And I've got a list on my letterbox of like my top 250 movies or whatever ranked. And the conversation, I think, is like my number four movie of all time. Sure. So like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's hard to say. Like you have to say that first, basically. Um, but beyond that, I mean, I know his favorite performance of his is Scarecrow. Which I, you know, it's hard not to agree with that. He's phenomenal. That's interesting. In I don't know that I knew that. That's interesting. Yeah, he he really like goes hard for Scarecrow and for I never sang for my I never sang yeah I never sang for my father. Um, there was this GQ interview that I was just uh, shared with you guys a little bit before we started recording this from 2011, where he was just kind of talking about some of his roles and the interviewer whose name I can't remember, but um, the interviewer asked him if he could show like one of his movies to somebody to like introduce them to who he is and his acting style or like whatever, what would it be? And he said, his answer for that was I never sang for my father, which I think Mm. is a really interesting kind of choice. And especially knowing his, you know, relationship with his dad and everything certainly speaks a lot to what he's putting into that movie. Um, I also really love, I mean, I really love him in heist. I think that he fits that mold so well. There's a line in heist that I specifically quote in my paste piece where, um, Ricky Jay, who's one of his guys on his team. He's so cool. Yeah. He says, my motherfucker is so cool. When he goes to bed, sheep count him. And like, I feel like it's such a cool man line. And it also is like, he just, he embodies that line perfectly. Like it feels like such a perfect description for what he's doing in that performance. Yeah. And every, Um, yeah, like every step of the way too. Yeah, exactly. And the the other one I want to shout out is, I mean, Crimson Tide. I think that he's phenomenal in that. It's such a great movie. Tony Scott, we all love. Um, And him and Denzel just going against each other in that movie is like, you don't get too yeah, many the, the, the dialogue yeah, about the horses at the yeah. end when when you know he's smoking and a cigarette yeah you know, incredible it yeah. is such yeah. a perfect performance too because it's like how do i make this motherfucker the most unlikable piece of shit <laughs> and yet and obviously yeah. this is like where the movie lands but like and yet you still can't help be like well but he's not entirely wrong like like yeah. it's like it's, uh, that's 
actually, that's the same kind of thing. Uh, Dan can speak to it too. Class action is very much like he, yeah, yeah. like Hackman's character is like the definition of bad dad. Like he's like a scumbag piece of shit. But also, as far as like morality goes in terms of what he's doing as a lawyer, you still kind of root for him because he's trying oh, to do yeah. the right thing as a lawyer. And it's like a really interesting um, dichotomy between him and Mary Elizabeth Mastronchonio because she is like a good person, but she's on the wrong side morally of this case. And like, it, it's fun to watch that dynamic kind of play off between the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. They, they have a couple really powerful scenes. Yeah. Um, and, and also a funny thing with so many of these movies I found is the freeze frame endings. God, people love those free <laughs> People love those freeze Could, frame couldn't endings. Couldn't fucking man. get enough of them, dude. That was that was a that was an easy choice back in the day. They're yeah. like, no, freeze it. <laughs> like, okay. Um, but that scene, Hackman. I think. Look, we could talk for another two hours. I mean, yeah. He, yeah. he, like, like we said, he is, you know, in the Mount Rushmore of our great, you know, you know, uh, living actors. I think, you know. To watch him is to learn something about yourself. Uh, you know, I, I, that sounds hyperbolic, but it's true. I think he really represents he represents the height of what the form can be, and I, yeah. I think that's, um, you know, uh, what better compliment is that? Um, Mitchell, remind us where uh, all of our listeners can, you know, hear you, read you see you you know whatever um you can see me at my house if you want to come on by come on you know, by just check it out i mean i'm not just knock I'll on the door or knock come on the door. in or yeah just, just come right in honestly okay, the door's good. Unlocked. It's open. okay yeah it's, it's yeah, open yeah. you know do it do whatever you want um right. i'll probably be asleep do it whatever you feel is necessary i don't know <laughs> <laughs> but you can reading my stuff you can read my stuff at um letterbox on our digital magazine journal i write stuff there i also write stuff for the film stage uh, pace magazine the playlists are kind of like my main ones i just did recently did an interview with mira nair on mississippi masala at the film stage that yeah. i'm pretty proud of oh, that's, so great I mean, that's great yeah. such a good fucking movie so i'm super stoked for people to be able to see that movie now she would um, be she would be a filmmaker that it would be great to get her on to talk about her own beast a hundred oh yeah I mean, like reluctant fundamentalist and like amelia and shit like that i would love to talk yeah to i movie. honestly almost i only had 30 minutes with her so i didn't get to work in too much about like other movies but i had a question written down about amelia that was almost like me wanting to do like a shout out to you guys because i knew that like that would be like a kind of thing yeah. that you guys would want to talk about. It's a, fat, it's a fascinating. It's, that's a great, fascinating b sidey thing. Yeah. Yeah. Movie. Yeah. Exactly. Um, hearing me. Yeah, weekend watch list at Letterbox drops every Thursday. I'm also doing a new podcast uh, with my friend Ryan McQuaid called Acting oh, right. Out, where we talk about uh, do like different series on actors, talking about like some b sidey movies, kind of not like really b sidey ones, but more like the the obvious ones with a mix of kind of like you know kind of the left turns that actors take like What's right now the... we're doing yeah go ahead, go ahead. yeah I, I was, I was gonna gonna ask. Ask. yeah yeah i was gonna right now our first we just launched the podcast uh, last week as we're recording this and our first series is on tom hanks so like we'll have an right. episode on like forrest gump an episode on big but also one on like the burbs as more of like a kind of left turn sure. one or right. i very passionately made sure that we are doing an episode on larry crown which i'm very excited about oh <laughs> um, yeah so yeah Hell crown the, those come out on uh, Tuesdays. Those episodes come out. Which that's that's awesome. Yeah, I saw. I, I've been meaning to listen. I saw you guys just dropped that. So that's a great. 
Um, and then, yeah, with me, um, you can find me at DJ Mecca on Twitter. Uh, obviously, Fathom Stories for new stories. One coming out later as a recording. It, 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 you can listen to it. If you're listening now, it, it'll be out uh, called The Request for Snowfall. That is available. And I think that's it. I have a bunch of reviews that, if they're not already published, they're going to be out. Montana Story, a couple other movies um, that are at festivals. Uh, so, yeah, look at look for those. And, Connor, I'll turn it over to you. Mitchell, thank you so much. Yes. This is, yes, indeed. Uh, I mean, amazing thanks, talking Yeah, to you. thanks so much for having me. I've, I've publicly said it many times. This is literally my favorite podcast. So this is really, like, Hell, yeah. surreal, surreal for me, honestly. We don't, we don't deserve it, Mitchell, but thank you. Somebody. Um, I got a nice. So speaking of letterbox, I, in warming my heart, I had a nice note about. And now I'm gonna. To, I'm looking at my activity to get it right. I got a nice note about somebody who watched a movie, and it was like, um, I'm just trying to see if I can find it real quick. Oh yeah, Brian Rohr. Right, he watched Birdie. Speaking of Nicolas Cage. Oh yeah. Uh, because of our b-side and he really enjoyed the movie and i was like that makes me happy especially a movie like birdie which sure. is a great movie yeah uh, so anyway thank you for saying that really appreciate it um of course. and and obviously it's 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 been great to be on many podcasts with you cinephile game nights um, yeah right yeah yeah, yeah. the uh and cool. this is, you know this is the beginning of of a beautiful friendship as they say so thank you for yeah. being on thank um, you very much connor wrap us up brother. indeed uh yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Scruffy Looking. You can find this podcast on Twitter and Facebook at TFS B-Side. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can shoot us an email at B-Side, B-S-I-D-E, at thefilmstage.com. Um, if you like what you're hearing, you could rate, review, subscribe, give us a good review, all that great stuff. We do appreciate it. Uh, in terms of housekeeping stuff coming up, um, we are doing we as of this recording, we've just dropped our interview with Guy Pierce. So if you haven't listened to that, hell yeah, you can Fantastic check. Interview. You, thank you. You can check that he out. Was um, he, was he was a lovely fellow, very candid, very charming. Uh, so that was really great. Very fortunate to uh, to have done that. Uh, and coming up after this, uh, we'll have on Valerie Ettenhofer. And we're going to be doing another one of our almost famous, almost movie star thingies. Uh, we're going to be talking about the career of Taylor Kitsch. So that's going to be that's been a fun one to prep for. Uh, and that'll be very cool. We have a couple other cool things coming down the line, um, but those are all still sort of in there in their early stages of being prepped. Other than that, thank you, as usual, uh, for listening and until you hear us again, we're just going to be picking our feet in Poughkeepsie. Oh, that's a nice one. <laughs>